0: Yeah, I bet you didn't expect to see us back so soon, you spooky fucks. Also, yes, hi, hello, you know, welcome to Gooncast. I'm James, also known as Saber0307. And we're back. Much faster yeah, than normal. By popular demand. Yeah. You, you opened the box. We yeah. came. <laughs> yeah. Both of you wanted us back really hard.
1: Yeah, yeah. All, uh, yeah. all
0: two we of our fans. Know, dude, so you so much. <laughs> Actually, one of them is the reason why we're doing this particular episode.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm Cat, aka the Attack Cat, uh, dialogue designer by day, writer slash horror enthusiast slash artist by night.
3: And once again, it's your boy Lee Alder, the Valley Jester, fantasy and horror writer and villain enthusiast extraordinaire.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Aren't we
0: all? Yeah, that's, and why, it, we're here. Yeah, that's <laughs> why we're here. We were inspired by our favorite villain, Rency, who is yeah. a big Shout bully out. to his mods, Hell uh, yeah. big bully and villain to everybody. To do our,
2: sure you're his villain though, right?
0: No, I no 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 no. no, no.
3: <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> No 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 no. Uh, I,
3: I, no, 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 no! no, The no, best no. villains are always the ones who think they're in the right. Exactly, listen, exa- listen,
0: listen, oh,
2: We're gonna get We've into already, we've already,
0: we've already been over this, all right? Where Grant has said, "I am the villain who the hero realizes is right in the end." Yeah. Yes. Correct.
2: <laughs> correct. <laughs> that's yes. not
0: me. That's somebody <laughs> I've worked with, and everybody I've pulled love, that to goes, <laughs> "Yeah, no, that's very accurate."
2: Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh to start off with, uh we may have some minor spoilers, I think, yeah. for
3: some I of I these think games. they're kind of unavoidable,
0: yeah. There's yeah, so... there's there's one in particular I am going to do my best to not get too into only mm. because of the fact that I know oh, yeah. Kat hasn't played the game and I really want her to play the game.
2: But yeah. before
0: we get well, into I'm that, I'm okay with
2: spoilers if you want to actually talk about it. I can always like mute you or something. <laughs> sure.
0: Uh, I mean, you should mute me on principle anyway.
2: Uh, yeah, but, yeah. I but mean, I be, usually do.
0: <laughs> before we get into that, I'm I'm stealing Lee's gimmick of James. What are you drinking? Slash, don't put that in your body. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, basically, we need I,
2: a theme song. I feel like we need a theme song for this. We
0: do. We do.
2: Yeah.
0: I'll ask Mike. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I ordered a tall boy shaker cup from G Fuel because I wanted a big boy glass and whatever. And it came and with you- like a starter kit where it's like 10 samples of different flavors. And most of the G Fuel flavors in this starter pack thing I've never had before. So mm. I have Battle Juice, which according um. to the website <laughs> is is what? is allegedly a pineapple-y flavor.
3: Allegedly.
0: Uh, you know i mean they claim it's it's a specific like it it, it tastes like something but i i have nice. i have no idea it's just called oh. battle juice
2: oh it's inspired it like, by you famous know what it clan, looks like I, guess. I know i know it's supposed to be like pineapple rings but it looks like uh, Lifesavers.
0: yeah i was thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah. oh
3: yeah no uh-huh. i'm looking this i'm i'm looking at pictures of this and uh,
0: oh christ yeah it's 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 vaguely pineapple-y vaguely it's not it's not terrible i mean it's there's some weird g-fuel flavors that i just refuse to try like there's like four different sonic flavors and i've tried three of them and they're all pretty good but the one i refuse to try is chili dog flavor i'm like i don't want to drink a chili dog bro bro, but what about plasma the morbius flavor no, oh. I, I, I did want to have Maiden's Blood, which is the Lady D flavor, but oh, that, that's been yes. out of stock for like a year and a half.
2: Oh, oh, I, it I even it, I it it
0: came <laughs> It even came in like an extra large tub because it was Tall Lady.
2: Oh. And I'm did like, I
0: tub want have that. A bust? Yes, excellent. probably. <laughs> it came excellent. in a <laughs> Yeah.
2: Excellent. Oh, I, you know, I should have had her on the list. She's on all of the lists in my heart. Actually, she's Ugh, not a villain. <laughs> I, yeah,
0: there you go. Well, I mean, she yeah, could. Yeah. She, she could she's be. She's
2: the hero. She could, I, will, I will hear no arguments otherwise. She,
0: she she could be an honorable mention. Otherwise, I mean, I have one honorable mention.
2: Ooh, okay. I, I have
0: one as well. Yes.
2: Maybe maybe I'll think of some honor. I had I had a slew of people, and I kept being like churning through them. Yeah, this was actually kind of a difficult list for me to get through. Same. Other than like the top two, I think I was kind of like, man, there's a there's a lot here. And, and I mean, yeah, yeah, we can talk a little bit of, about that. But I, I think also that like I tend to play games that don't have antagonists in them, mm-hmm. or at least they don't have like... So I play a lot of like murder mystery games. Right. And and James joked like, oh, have the the, um you know, the bad guy in all of the Nancy Drew games, like every Nancy Drew, every every one of your top 10 is a Nancy Drew villain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I kind of feel like with those games, uh, I meant this to somebody. Um, uh, the analogy I used was that, like, in Scooby-Doo, the guy underneath the mask is not as interesting as the mask itself. Yeah. And that's kind of what I feel like for most of these, like, mystery game villains, where it's like the mystery of who the killer is, is kind of more important than the actual identity of the killer.
0: Sure.
3: Except for that time where the guy underneath the mask was Don Knotts. Yeah, that was great.
0: (laughs) Although I I did also keep telling you to put Tom Nook on your list.
2: Yes, that is true. Tom is Nook true. is
3: is a vile creature, and I mean, yeah. does you know, not but belong the, anywhere on our list. Yeah. I mean,
2: really, the the true villain of Animal Crossing is capitalism, though, which I mean is embodied by Tom Nook. But really, he's just a cog in that machine. Uh, today, and uh, what, thank, uh, you for, thank you all for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> listen, <laughs> yeah, listen. I
0: think one. even if Animal Crossing existed in a world without capitalism, Tom Nook would find a way to be a villain. He's just that you know kind of who- guy.
2: You know who else is a villain in Animal Crossing? Fucking Rossetti. Bitch, I turned off my system for a reason. You don't have to yell at me for that.
0: <laughs> I miss Rossetti.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but well,
3: anyway. I guess, I guess before we dive into the list, did either of you have any like specific criteria that you set for yourselves in, in writing your list?
2: Oh, I did. Okay. Um, did, did you, James?
0: kind of my my criteria was it it isn't necessarily a villain, just someone else's antagonist. that's kind yeah. of how I went with it and also yeah the there's there's a lot of murky gray areas where you may have someone mm-hmm. who's say a protagonist in one story and then they return as an antagonist in another mm-hmm. or yes. in another story they they have like maybe, a quasi-redemption arc, or there's a lot more mm-hmm. more gray to them. One of my, my... My main spicy pick is is the one that I, I think Lee will understand why I picked it, but it is a mm-hmm. spicy pick.
2: Okay. okay. So my criteria was... I had a couple. I had a couple. Um, first is my most obvious one, which is that I don't like to toot my own horn, and so, therefore, any game that I worked on or like worked even tangentially on was like a no go. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that,
0: yeah. That, that, that for me went without saying too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. There's a couple of villains that like, or villains or antagonists in games I've, I've helped make, uh, that I really like, but I'm just like, I, don't want to be that person, you know. So yeah. I just, I just don't. I'm just not. Right? Yeah, like
0: I, I, um, I really like Comstock as a villain in Bioshock Infinite, but there yeah. is no fucking chance he will ever goddamn be on on a list.
2: Yes, exactly. It, yeah, it, yeah. Um. Also, my, like, m- I, I was pretty strict about like anyone who is playable is not is like by default not an antagonist. So, despite the fact that like like my example was at well, mild spoilers for the last of us part 2. Uh Abby in the last of us part 2, very much a villain uh, or very much the antagonist of Ellie's story rather, not not a villain. Um the antagonist of Ellie's story, uh but also a playable character in her own right and by that same definition you could argue that Ellie is also a villain or also an antagonist. God, I'm getting
0: that yeah. tracks. <laughs> yeah.
2: So so it's just kind of like, you know, the the yeah, I I yeah, that was that was my my personal criteria. Um, and I
0: also limited it to one per I franchise. Kind of, uh, yes, I,
2: I, I did. I kind of bent my rule a little bit in one regard it, in terms of like I I have like kind of a shared.
0: Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's, anyway, it's, but- it's like I, I was tempted to bend it a little because there was an instance where I could have bent it, but I decided and- not to.
2: Yeah, yeah, and also I will say that um in in a couple of like in a couple of chats that we've had leading up to this, uh you know like I've already kind of like mixed up the terms myself, but we were pretty adamant that like an antagonist is not a villain, you know like it's, like they are not completely equated to one another. An antagonist can be a villain, yeah, but they don't necessarily have to be. Like it just needs to be somebody who opposes the protagonist
1: mm-hmm.
2: um so yeah like even i think i think most of mine ended up being more on the like you know evil side of things uh in general just because those are kind of the characters i gravitate toward sure sure um but at the same time it's like it, you know if you wanted to have an antagonist that you know like you know in, in a game where for instance you are playing as not a good person and your antagonist is somebody who is a good person, it's like, well, that person's not a villain, but dot dot dot, right? Mm-hmm. So.
0: One one other criteria that I did kind of go with is there's some instances where a character that I chose appears in multiple games, sometimes mm-hmm. mul- in multiple games as an antagonistic ro- role, but mm-hmm. for me, I, I specifically chose one of their appearances, as opposed to Oh, yeah. Like the the entirety of their canon in whatever franchise or or whatever. Yes, yeah. yeah.
2: I think I think that's fine. Like as long as it's not. I, I think we also said like we don't want to do the like Dragon Ball Z thing where like. Yes,
0: the Vegeta they, rule. We yeah, we, we kind of yeah. also kept. Yeah, we 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 kept it strictly to characters that originated in video games as well. Oh,
2: that too. Yes, because like I I love uh, the Joker in the Arkham games, but. You know, he's the Joker, right? Like it's like baby. Yeah. Yeah, he's and the Joker, Joker baby. baby.
4: Which,
2: uh, you know, and same with like, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of villains in the, the Spider-Man games that are yeah. like, they're cool, but no, like they're cool because we have, you know,
0: yeah he, countless he,
2: hours of media uh, about them that are not just video games.
0: Sure. And like even though say like Dracula in Castlevania is very much his own unique identity. He yeah. still originated outside of the medium. so I was like, yeah, it's like he's not out it's
2: like it. an interpretation of the character exclusive to a game. maybe that's a little bit more of a like wiggle room, but at the same time, I do think that like it's Dracula, you know like
3: <laughs> yeah it, it may sound like we set a bunch of rules for ourselves, <laughs> but really it was just putting up some guidelines. yeah, they're very yeah. very yeah.
0: loose guidelines. Yeah. some yeah. were followed, some wasn't for the most part it was independent and it's going to be fun to see uh the justification as to yeah the only is.
3: rule um the only rule i kind of kept myself strictly to outside of the the similar ones you guys mentioned like the vegeta rule which is uh someone who is a villain for like a cup of coffee and then they become a hero yes um, yeah yeah would be i kept mine strictly into my personal tastes with no regard for he, legacy value.
2: Oh yes, yes. I don't that's, care yeah, I how that's cool a really good- and
3: impactful and badass Ganondorf is. Yes. I'm yes. not gonna put him in there just because he's one of he, gaming's most iconic villains.
2: Yes, yes. This is and I, I I think for me that kind of went without saying because Same. like we did the we did the like top ten or we did our personal like top ten games and it's like yeah, most of my games wouldn't be anywhere near the top ten of like anybody else, right? Yeah, so, right. Um, So, yes. Just, just bear in mind for everyone listening that this is very much our individual personal taste. Yes. yes. So, like, we're don't, we're, you we're know. not
0: making like D-Distinity No this is
1: not top best ten, best time. Yeah. No.
3: Yes. Fuck that. Like, fuck that. No. You know, no. bear bear with it. You've been listening to the Goons for long enough. You know what you're in for. Yes, yeah. Glados is a wonderfully funny and. <laughs> Amazing, long-lasting villain, but no, GLaDOS oh. will not be on my list. Okay, <laughs> all right. I hope to see GLaDOS on someone else's list. <laughs>
2: Excellent. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you know, like it's—you should know me by now. I like Drakengard and Illbleed. I have uh, shit yeah, I know. Taste. I was
2: gonna say <laughs>
0: I have shit taste. Yeah, Deal yeah, with yeah. It. We all
2: have. We all have shit taste. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, but like, if we're if we're ready, I think we should just kick this let's, kick this motherfucker
3: off. Yeah, let's go. All right, we're, yeah, we're we're starting off strong with uh with number ten most feared gaming antagonist uh, Makoto K Duan, the writer of Corpse Party.
0: Oh yes.
3: <laughs> All right, I'm kidding, but no, really, I'm not. What what have you done with your life and your legacy? Uh, so for my number ten, um, this one is interesting for me because it is um a character in a franchise that I have not really explored a whole lot i've okay. um i've i've waded my feet into the waters of the uh of the franchise but this character is a one-off and makes such a strong showing in the game that he appears in that it would be wrong to not put on the man who could break the president in two, Senator Armstrong
0: from Metal Gear Rising. Let's (laughs) go! Let's go! He was a strong candidate for me, but awesome i awesome. i gotta put this
3: motherfucker on there so uh, i'm not a big metal gear guy i respect the franchise but i um mm-hmm. i don't like stealth games just period sure fair. um and yeah. i know that the genre i, I know that the um the, the franchise has started to expand its genres a little bit and play with a lot of things but None really caught my attention until I happened to just catch wind of Armstrong. Just once the memes started going around, you know, nano machine, son. I'm like, oh, I got to get in on this action. And uh, this this dude is such a gigantic giga chat. He is, he is uh, United such a States giga-chat.
0: senator for uh, Colorado, I think. Is, um, is this
2: the I made mean, it? Football, football guy.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. He, that's not a quote from the game, but they okay. they they've okay. made that into a meme and it fits okay.
2: perfectly. Yes, all right, because I because that's who I was picturing. So he, I
0: he's to he's out. weaponized libertarianism. Yes, <laughs> oh my God. That is like, yeah, he's weaponized
3: libertarianism. So his okay. whole gimmick is he wanted to stage a, a political conflict with Pakistan, utilizing oh a mercenary company as like okay. a foil, okay. and his his plan involves like. Uh, Stealing the brains of children yeah. to like create ch- uh, child soldiers uh, 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 and <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um, and his whole his whole purpose at the end of the day, which he gives in a probably shit you not like solid twenty five or thirty minute monologue. It's so Is good. is to cr- is to put the United States back into into war to create a war economy to bolster the U.S. Uh, Like to bolster our jobs, put us back into that, you know, overdrive we get when we're really in a time of conflict. And his ultimate goal is to create a world where men fight their own battles, where they're not enlisted into an army to fight for other people's ideals, where every man and woman can just fight for what they believe in, which is completely psychotic when you really get down yeah. to like the nuts and bolts of it.
0: Super psychotic, and and it really ties into like the game itself because that's what Raiden is inadvertently doing. He's fighting his own fucking battle. <laughs> it's a goddamn it, dude.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm a I'm a big sucker for when you get to um when you get to those antagonists and especially if they're in a boss fight and it's a good one on one and just something about their appearance is like this can't be the boss what it's just like it's some dude in a suit yeah, like pushing his glasses up onto his nose and he's got like a mole and you're this super slick cyborg samurai serial killing machine and and then he beats the piss out of you
0: (laughs) <laughs> With wrestling moves.
3: With wrestling moves. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He's suplex and ride and shit. Um, but I, I love this character so much because what he what he brings to the table in terms of like meme value is absolutely balanced out by what a terrifying presence he creates. Yeah. Um, Having one of those insane plans where someone who's really like involved in a dangerously political spectrum could absolutely broach these kinds of topics and approaches like at a Senate hearing. This this is what would happen if a psychotic politician had superpowers.
0: Great. Yeah, it's he's he's he's, he's genuinely a terrifying villain, but he is also so fucking fun.
3: Yeah, uh, great, great theme song. Um, Cool. Great, great, uh, great combat mechanics. Uh, he's one of those, he's one of those bosses that you get him down to 20% and then he starts doing an overpowered super heal move that you have to counter immediately or he regains his whole health bar and then oh you my hate God. yourself. Oh, oh yeah.
2: My God.
0: Uh, he's, oh God. He's yeah. the first boss in the game who has double health bars too.
2: Oh Lord. Yeah, he's an asshole. So this, yeah. This actually, this actually reminded me because um, I have never played a single Metal Gear game. Uh, so mm. and every time I hear about them, it's like more and more batshit. And I'm just like, yeah, I I see it. <laughs> I like Death Stranding. I, I know what yeah. the, I know what that flavor is all about. Um, But it, you reminded me of another one of my my metrics for this list was that I did not include anyone that I did not whose game I have not played. So,
3: oh, yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah I think fair. I think
2: there are. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a given for everybody. But like. Yeah, I'm like uh, this. This sounds like a cool ass villain, but like I haven't played the game, so I just you know. Can't well, as soon as we can hang out that.
0: again, I'm gonna make you plant now, Cat.
2: Oh my god! Okay, yeah, it,
3: it's funny you mention that metric because they're they're like there is a particular antagonist that I adore so much, and it's from mm-hmm. a game I've never played before, just because mm-hmm. I haven't had the uh, the console to do so. Uh-huh. um but there's a there's a an antagonist in bloodborne who i'm like obsessed with
2: oh yeah and yeah. i've
3: never been able to touch the game and it's mm-hmm. like i don't know if i did could they make have... your list no i didn't put them on the list because it would have felt like kind of you know weird not having played the game and had the yes. experience but like i just i fucking adore everything about their aesthetic and their mm-hmm. gimmick mm-hmm. but yeah so it's it's fine i did i did kind of consider that for a fleeting yeah. moment yeah but yeah. yeah so starting off my list is the uh is the man who could have gone pro if he hadn't joined the Navy, Senator Armstrong. Yep.
2: Excellent. College
0: ball, you know.
2: All right. Uh, so my first one on my list, my number 10, is higher on someone else's list. Womp, womp. <laughs> we, had, woop, woop. we had to do it. We yep. had to do it. That's how we, that's how we start off
3: these lists. <laughs>
2: yeah, so
0: maybe. my honorable mention okay. is Thomas Thomas from Phasmophobia.
1: Excellent. Oh, because
0: Ooh. Thomas Thomas Beautiful. is the scariest fucking thing imaginable. He is always, uh-huh. he is always uh-huh. terrifying and always uh, maniacal, and always usually kills mm-hmm. me. Like he's, he's he's pretty terrifying.
2: They they've added so many more names, and yet he's still so elusive. He's, we know he's there.
0: He's there. Blushing, he's still lurking. waiting. <laughs> so uh, I don't have too much to say about my actual number ten pick because, like, I, I I banged this out. The bang this list out pretty quickly, at least when when we first came up with the idea, and then I realized that I needed to kind of like rework it and whatnot. Like this list was a little difficult for me to put together, but my number mm-hmm. ten is Pious Augustus from Eternal Darkness. Ooh, oh. um, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah, he is. He is a very fun villain. You play as him very briefly at the start yes. of the game. Yeah. Uh,
2: so that's really interesting because from what I have played of Eternal Darkness. He is not super a part of it. He he
0: he he's the final boss of the game.
2: Okay, that's that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. He's uh, a he, it, he, jam. <laughs> Sorry. <thrillers>. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he he has a presence, but like he's basically like the number one acolyte of whatever horrible elder god you happen to pick at the start of the game. Hey, cool. uh, He is a Roman legionnaire who gets turned into a lich, uh, yeah. and he's kind of this. Dick, oh, he's who, he's, cool. he's a wonderful dick. Uh, yeah. He's an asshole, and okay. one of the things that one of the one of the chief reasons why I picked him is if you die in the final boss fight to him, he spits on you. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty Excellent. great. Yeah, that's, it's that's pretty like I wonderful. said, I don't really have too much to say about him outside of he is a very entertaining asshole villain, and cool. I, I love el- cosmic horror, and I'm glad I was able to figure out like a cosmic horror type antagonist yeah. villain. Mm-hmm. To yeah, stick
2: that's in awesome. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, that's that's got... the other thing. I I play a lot of cosmic horror games where it's like like sinking city. Who's the villain? Nobody. Times, <laughs> like, really, mankind. <laughs> yeah, time, mankind.
3: Dread itself.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like ah, I can't.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Pius um, is a, Pius is a great one because like he brings a certain amount of like camp factor. Yeah, mm, camp and is also great the, like in you know, he you know, he he, he gets lichified, and he's still in his, like, Roman centurion armor, so then, like, when you're in present day and you come fight him, and he's still this, like, goofy like, lich man in Roman gladiator gear, it's like, what
0: the fuck is
2: happening?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: It's it's wonderful, and Richard Doyle he
3: doesn't joke around.
0: Richard Doyle kills it as his voice actor, too.
2: I have something to look forward to whenever we play Eternal Darkness again. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Cool.
3: Yeah, okay. so back to Lee.
2: Okay. Lee, number 9.
3: All right. This is this is totally just like a a from the heart. Like yeah. I couldn't I couldn't do the list without him. Uh the bane of many a fighting game player's existence, oh, depending no. on which edition you face him in, it's your boy, the Emperor of Outworld, Shao Khan. Oh Jesus. Oh, nice. Shao Fucking Khan made his nice. debut in Mortal Kombat 2, where he was fair, and then Mortal Kombat <laughs> 3, where he was unfair, and then Trilogy, where you can just just snap the disc in half. Oh yeah. God! Yeah. Um,
1: wow.
3: Shao Kahn is one of those enduring fighting game personalities that, um, mm-hmm. real, I really I don't know why he took off so much because like Mortal Kombat's full of like iconic characters like Sub Zero and Scorpion are kind of yeah. like the poster boys uh-huh. and I, there's something about Kahn that like I don't know why it caught on so well and I'm just kind of a sucker for the fact that it, it's probably why he's so near and dear to my heart. He's the first. Villain that I ever ran into in a game who actively stops fighting you to talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you suck. Yeah. Khan will combo you and then while you're like recovering from hit stun, he'll just point at you and go, You will never win. It's yeah. just like, Wow. Dude, you're rubbing it in, man. Yeah, I know you're going to be my ass. Well, also, at
0: least in like the Midway era of Mortal Kombat, the writing behind him was really strong and he was actually yes. like a brilliant tactician. And like mm. menacing and like frighteningly intelligent, on top of being a cheap piece mm-hmm. of shit, um, mm. he's kind of a lame piece of shit in like the new newer Mortal Kombat games. He's very mm-hmm. underwhelming, but yeah, no, he's 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 fucking terrifying, especially with his stupid fucking hammer and super armor and all of that
3: shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I and I love that even though, yeah, the presence is a little weaker in the newer games, but I absolutely love that the new the new set of games was hyping up the new guy, Kotal Khan. And they're like, yeah, look at this badass, like mutant Aztec warrior. He like harnesses the power of the sun. This is the new hotness. And then they just still have Khan beat the shit out of him.
0: Don't, don't, don't bring that up. I'm still hurting over it, man. Total it, K- it Khan so... is too cool. KK in a wheelchair to quote Sonic XD. Yeah,
3: it was, it was. He's
0: going to roll over your grave.
3: ass beating.
0: He's going like to roll over a... your grave, Lee. It
3: was not okay.
2: I knew, I knew there was going to be fighting game rep in this list. Cause I was just like, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, there are so many good fighting game villains, and I can't name a single one because uh, I don't play fighting games. Uh,
0: you could have, you could have named Master Hand, probably. I don't yeah, know I what his play, backstory will, is. I will, I, on my short list. Are I, you talking I,
2: about from Smash? Yeah. I've never played Smash. What I thought you, you played Smash. You, you have a Nintendo
3: <laughs> console. Everybody's no, played Smash. No, no.
2: Will Will plays a lot of Smash. Uh, I, whatever. No.
3: No, I, I I had a short list of fighting game villains that I I was entertaining putting on here. Khan wound up mm-hmm. winning, but I almost okay. put on Cervantes from Soul Caliber. I almost uh-huh. put on um, Kazuya from Tekken.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but Shao
3: Kahn is just the the Our best. Khan? You know, intergalactic yeah. conqueror. You know, he he he's so petty. He's like ah, Earth <laughs> Realm, I'm gonna get you. And even his minions are like, there's like. Other realms you could go conquer He's like nah this one's really Grr I really don't like this one He's so petty petty that he keeps
0: Cheating and changing the rules To try to fucking make it so he has another Shot at winning he's such an asshole Mm -hmm. Yeah no he's the guy Who loses and goes ah but I still Got some
3: good shots in though right Uh." Yeah Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: So yeah the master master Mm. Of the spammed rising Knee Shao Kahn at number nine
2: Nice nice all right so my number nine is not higher on someone's list haha ha. uh i actually get to i actually get to to talk about talk about a uh a, a little dude um so for this one i dug dug a little deep um bit of a bit of a deep cut i think probably not as deep as james as i don't think but um but also on gamecube so there you go mm. um Basically, I had been thinking a little bit, like, I I spent a lot of my childhood playing Mario games, right? And I was kind of like, okay, maybe there needs to be some Mario rep on my list. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think, like, who is just, like, a fun Mario villain? You got Bowser. Bowser is the, you know, everybody's choice. Everybody loves Bowser. He's a great villain. Uh, certainly, like, you know, definitely kind of like a sliding scale of, like, depending on where he what game he's in, right? Mm-hmm. Like some of them some of them he's got great writing and actually like a personality and you like know who he is and what he stands for and he's funny. And then other games he's just like a giant lizard that breathes fire and mm-hmm. like you fight him at the end, right? So it's just like, all right, whatever. Um but I'm going to say this was this was a, a, a an antagonist who first appeared in this GameCube game. Um and uh the game itself is just so charming, and like this guy himself as like a villain is such a it's such a goofy little thing uh, when like when he's revealed um, it's Bowser Jr. in Super Mario Sunshine.
0: <laughs> I, was, I thought you were gonna say Niku for killing all the Yoshi's.
2: Oh yes. <laughs> I well, was
0: really hoping for an out-of-left field Waluigi pick.
2: Oh man, that, ah, that would be a good one. That would be a good but you play as him. He I don't think he's ever been like a mainline.
0: No, like he keep, wants they keep, to be one they, so they, bad. He
2: wants to be they, one they, so
4: bad.
0: Nintendo keeps shafting Waluigi. At least Wario, absolutely. Like if so, absolutely somebody could pick Wario because he was a fucking villain in Super Mario too. But, like,
2: but so like, you know, you start you start Super Mario Sunshine and you know this like Basically, somebody is framing you, Mario, for, like, littering, essentially, right? And you're like, what the fuck? I don't litter. I'm Mario. <laughs> like, like what the hell? And then, yeah, you see this guy who just looks exactly like you. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and you spend a good portion of the game, like, chasing this guy down, trying to figure out, like, who it is. And, like, the reveal that it's this it's Bowser's kid, and you're like, who? And he's like, how dare you like go on vacation with my mama? And you're just like, what? And Peach is like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's such a fun little thing. I don't know. It's, I just, you know, it's, it's
0: like, a lot of fun, especially since goofy. Peach it's
2: is so goofy and silly. And I'm just like, yeah.
0: Especially yeah, since he... Peach is stupid enough to entertain the idea. Is like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he is my <laughs> <Maybe>. kid. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah, Peach, like, I you not like,
0: fucking remember.
2: I' just like Peach, you Peach, really? Like, <laughs> um. But yeah, and then like you know, end of the game is just like they were also on vacation, and mm-hmm. this was just like Bowser doesn't fucking watch his kid, and so his kid went off and kidnapped the the lady that he usually kidnaps. Yeah, and sent you on this whole adventure.
3: Uh, like father, like son. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So it's just, it's, it's just cute. It's fun. He's a, he's a great little villain. You really want to like rub his nose in it by the end. You're just like, oh, you, you little scamp. Like,
3: <laughs> oh, I like, yeah, so, I like that we're getting some variety on the list as far as like, you know, total like villainous scumbags and then yeah. just like the goofy, campy, kind of lighthearted side of yeah, it. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like yeah. the little, the, the bratty little kid that's like, Harassing you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, oh. so that's my number nine is right. Bowser Jr. Super Mario. Sunshine. Oh, wow! Yeah,
0: so my number nine is my spicy pick.
3: Oh, yeah. okay, all right. Um, I'm
0: ready. I was entertaining two potential different antagonists from this franchise before I settled on this one. Uh, my spicy pick is playable in the game he's in. <gasps> what? Yeah. And, uh, that is 9S from Near Automata.
2: Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. Is this my, is this cat don't listen anymore?
0: I'm not really going to go into why, because yes, okay. I don't want you to spoil, get spoiled, but like, I'd like to think that most people would understand why I chose 9S. I think he's a really well-written, well-developed, well-rounded character, but he is totally the fucking antagonist of that game, or at least a antagonist of that game. I I feel
3: like I'm just looking at it through different criteria, because I absolutely agree he's, he's an antagonist. But I I did consider him for my list, but I initially didn't put him on because I viewed. I I think you just spend too much time in his point of view, and you spend too much time, mm. time with him being playable. That's yeah. that's
0: why I I actually chose yeah. him is because it, it allows you to get more into his headspace.
2: It, well, see, but that that I I mentioned I like this the spices. before. Yeah, I, I I mentioned this before, but to me that that feels like cheating because I feel like a good video game villain. And for the same reason why I why we kind of why I kind of agreed on the whole like no multimedia villains is because like when you have a character that has like so much more like engagement with the audience, whether that is because, you know, they've been reading Batman comics for 30 sure. years or because you literally are in their shoes and you understand their point of view, it's like, well, then it 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 kind of lessens the, I think a, a well-written antagonist in a video game is one where you you completely understand this person, despite the fact that you are constantly like two steps behind them and they're barely in your
0: view. It's, 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 you it's really yeah. hard for me to articulate the why without getting into massive spoilers.
2: Sure sure
0: it is it yeah it is a tricky one
2: yeah i i won't i i, I will not uh um yeah i, it, I won't a uh, very i won't, spicy I, won't, pick. I won't i won't bash it too much but that's like exactly my reasoning for not being like like you play as abby for like half the game right sure. she's not an antagonist right like it's just like hello buddy Sorry, it's, my cat it's, stepped it's, on me. <laughs> like I
0: said, it's very difficult to articulate the why, despite the fact mm-hmm. that he's he's playable oh, no, for like a good chunk of the game. Okay. But at least like with my like rationale behind it, if I were to like dive into major spoilers,
2: mm-hmm. I
0: think I could better articulate the why. I, I will, I would, I will
2: I, force you to, though.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to ruin it for you because I really want you to play it at some point.
2: I will. I will. I, I will.
0: really do. My my, okay. my... But Lee
2: Lee, since you've played it before without spoiling, do you, like do you feel this is spice edging on cheating or
3: oh it's is... it's it is a spicy pick. I okay. I, I can't call it cheating. It cheating? Okay. Um okay. I no, I can't call it cheating. Um again, it's just like my my personal thing of like I I would want the character to be less played for mm-hmm. to Qualify for my list, but I absolutely see where where James is coming from here. It's okay. yeah, I think it's a very yeah, it's a very spicy pick.
0: My my Ooh. alternatives were Kaim in Drakengard two, not mm-hmm. one, because Kaim okay. is actually not even playable in Drakengard two, and mm-hmm. the Shadow Lord from Nier. No matter what, it was a Yoko Taro pick. But yeah, I also sure, sure. I, I also specifically stuck him in the nine spot because 9S. because I'm oh, an that's
3: yeah, nice. I, I did have yeah. Adam and Eve on a on a draft of my list. Before. Oh yeah, oh, they, they're nice. good.
0: They're so good. But yeah, that's 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 my spicy pick.
3: I okay. yeah, that's that's inferno spicy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. very spicy.
3: But uh, I don't know if it's a. Uh, I don't know if it's quite as spicy as my number eight pick.
2: Oh boy. Okay. Nice seg. Let's go. <laughs>
3: okay. Well, it's only spicy because it's higher else on somebody's list. Cat, go. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um. So I think my number eight may be a little bit basic. Um. But uh, recently, this character came up in conversations um, because he's related to another a, a, a game that has recently come out. And specifically in converse- in conversation with this group, and as we were talking more and more about like the the like where the games he's from, I was like, "Shit, man, like this is this is kind of like the quintessential what I want from a video game villain. I want a villain to show me how much of a fucking asshole he is, so I can spend the entire rest of the game motivated to kick his fucking teeth in by the end. I think I know
0: where you're going with this. And then
2: I get to kick his fucking teeth in at the end. (laughs) Yeah, it's Makarov from Modern Warfare. Yeah,
0: you're goddamn right, it's Makarov.
2: Yep, yep. All right. I'm just like, like, just having like no Russian, which, you know, is playable, but you're not put into the shoes of the villain, you're put into the shoes of like, someone who is pretending to be one of his cronies. Yeah. And there's just there's you just get so many cool moments of like seeing what a dick this guy is. And you're just like. It's it's just it's it's so good. And then that final confrontation on the on the fucking roof of the skyscraper, I'm like, there are moments there are like shots in that confrontation that are just like seared into my brain as like, oh, like. I'm coming for you, you know, like like, like <laughs> well, you
0: know, and we already we already said spoilers, but I mean he already gets up there because he fucking kills our selfie boy.
2: He does, yeah. yes. Exactly, exactly. So like yeah, I mean I like I love that I love that they pull no punches in setting him up as just like irredeemable bastard, yeah. right? He's not really he ends up being sort of like dethroned in Modern Warfare 2 as the main bad guy because yeah. you end up you end up getting betrayed. There's, like, a twist, and you're betrayed by your, oh, like, you know, by the Americans, basically, um, which is great. I actually did think about Shepard being on this list instead of Makarov. Shepard's good. Um, because I think Shepard is, like, Shepard is a really strong villain and also, like, has that really good moment of killing your squad. Yeah. And, like, and just stabbing you in the back. Um, but I think, ultimately, just, like, Makarov being built up over, like, two games.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: then, and then you know, it's it's just, like... I think he's just the ultimate example of like writing a villain, or yeah, writing an antagonist who is just like irredeemably villainous, and you're just like there's there's no there's no like waffling on like oh maybe he has a reason maybe he's like you <laughs> there's know, no redeeming like, no, maybe, he's, yeah he's maybe shithead. there's some some gray you know like gray zones in his reason no he is he is a terrorist and he's a you know he's this fictional monster and you're just like I'm gonna throw you off a fucking roof <laughs> like, yeah
0: and, and his death with is so fucking satisfying especially it's the so, it's so especially sad. the moments after where you gotta press a button to light a cigar as Price yep
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: Pry, Price is just taking that fucking like almost after sex cigar but it's for murdering <laughs> Makarov
1: oh was that yeah. good for you too
2: yeah. <laughs> shout yeah, out to I, Price Absolutely. Bumpers. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Price. Yeah, no, it's just it's like it's fun. They build up they build up the antagonism between him and Price so good. Yep. Like, you know, there's the there's the whole breaking price out of jail and them all being like, oh, Makarov really wants this target in here. He wants him dead, so we're getting him out. And then it's like the reveal is it's price, and it's just like, oh yeah, a fucking course. Of course and, he
0: price. And, and, and then but price blows up space.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I so, love yeah. okay.
3: That's yeah. my number eight. Just a good old-fashioned, irredeemable asshole. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: love it. Yep. Love it, love it. So my number eight is a very morally complex villain, and it's Maiden Astraya from Demon Souls. Okay.
2: Oh, okay.
0: She All is right. uh, one of the five greater demons that you need to kill in order to get access to the Great Old One. She was mm-hmm. a... Maiden for for this one church who basically like was you know going on like a pilgrimage and she made her way to the Valley of Defilement and just the suffering of all the people in the Valley of Defilement because this is a place where basically the world kind of throws uh-huh. away their trash and like uh-huh. this is where like fucking dead and aborted babies are thrown down into and it's just filled mm-hmm. with plague and everything like that and despite being a devoutly religious individual, she had an extreme crisis of faith of just, like, how can a god exist when, like, these people are suffering and treated so terribly. So she effectively sold her soul to the Great Old One to become a demon in order to use her demonic powers to alleviate the pain and suffering of those in the Valley of Defilement. Mm. And though... Her actions are resulting in the deaths of thousands upon thousands of innocent civilians. At the end of the day, she is trying to do good, which Mm -hmm. makes her an interesting little villain. And by having to kill her in order to save others, you're still, you're effectively removing the salvation of everybody in this valley. Yeah. And it, it, it...
2: that is it's, a really, really good pick. I actually remember you sent me the um, like a lore video about this because yeah. I've never, I've never played Demon Souls, but I distinctly remember discussing with you this backstory because yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's, it's insanely
0: awesome. tragic and awesome and morally complex, and it's it's one of the the things that I constantly like to bring up when people mm-hmm. sometimes like cite that the the Soulsborne games don't really have narrative or strong characters. Like, no, Maiden of Stry is really fucking strong. Like yeah. she, she is. I mean, yeah, there's some villains where it's just they're just yeah. a villain, you know, whatever. My
2: my disregard for I think I cuz I I did actually I, I spent some time thinking about if there was anyone in Elden Ring that I would I would put on the top of this list and I ultimately came away with no. Sure. Um because I think even though I think there are some very interesting characters, I think none of them really truly felt like an antagonist. It was more you know i mean maybe you could argue like gideon the all knowing maybe
0: yeah but El- like, elden ring is a little more complicated i can't yeah, really think exactly. of too many that i would would pick I, I outside think, of just my my fucking hatred yeah. for fucking millennia.
2: yes exactly that's but less of her actions a, and more of an, just she's not an antagonist uh except that you fight her right yeah, like it's yeah. like that's that's kind of what it felt like to me for elden ring where it's like elden nobody ring felt has like
3: yeah, Elden Ring's got a handful of antagonists it's got one true and you know oh, thorough villain in Moog
4: uh,
2: yes. oh, yeah.
3: Moog yes. is an irredeemable piece of shit yes. yes
2: but I also think like he's kind of sequestered from most of the main yeah. stuff and I, yeah. I never found I just never found him that interesting so like ultimately it's like yeah I, I could also say like uh, God Godfrey Godwin who's the one that like you fight you fight for the first time and then he comes back later
0: I don't he's remember. like your first big boss, it's Godfrey, oh, the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah.
2: I, like I, I, could argue Godric. he's probably Godric. Thank you. I could argue he's he's probably a good a good antagonist, but he just wasn't that interesting to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. it, for, for me, like at least for like, I don't think I could ever consider any any of the Elden Ring characters because while there's there's yes. certainly a lot of interesting lore there, like none of oh, them yeah. have like as strong of a
2: I think it's more oh, morally it's 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 very morally gray and yeah. so therefore nobody really sticks out as like a ooh this is a person that is against me
0: yeah.
2: right it's just like Every the whole world is against you. The world is the antagonist of Elf.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bunch of fucking incestuous gods trying to fuck each other over. And you're yeah, just exactly. caught in the middle of it.
3: I like I like hearing these opinions while I'm looking at someone from Elden Ring later <laughs> on. <like this. laughs> oh shit. I love okay, okay. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool,
2: cool. Excellent. I mean, I guess maybe you patches. could say you could say that the um, the three fingers. Maybe since they just want to burn everything down, but uh, that makes them the hero to me. So, (laughs) Uh, anyway. But Um, yeah,
0: uh, yeah, Maiden Astraya is my pick. Uh, There were a couple other. I love that pick. Yeah, that's great. There were a couple other contenders from from Soulsborn, but she's the one that's always really fucking stood out to me just because of the complexity and thought behind her backstory and and even the boss fight itself, because you don't even technically actually fight her Mm. she basically is sitting there praying and and she's guarded by her best friend slash knight who basically gave up his knighthood in order to just stay with her because he's like Uh. that devout in the cause Mm -hmm. and he's basically Mm -hmm. just a normal npc in like knight armor Mm -hmm. and if if you kill him maiden astraya is just so fucking depressed about it that she's just like fucking do it just kill me
3: just end it
0: because like take your fucking precious demon souls you're damning everybody i don't fucking care and alternatively like she she'll never attack you she just heals herself but if you pick her off from a distance or like manage to get past her knight and kill her uh her knight gives up and is just like fucking kill me my job is i failed just oh. just wipe me out like it no matter what it's just fucking sad yeah the, yeah. yeah no one wins in that situation no wow well and oh, it's it's cool. an interesting Good. and mechanically complex boss fight
2: an excellent choice, Jim
0: are you yeah,
2: oh.
3: well, and actually a very nice uh nice lead into my number seven
1: mm okay who
3: uh does for me really hit that uh that horrible sweet spot of like every time you hit them, you keep wishing you could just stop hitting them. Those mm. those antagonists that you have a that you have a fight with and you, you just don't want to hurt them, but yep. you have to. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh
3: and it's it's probably the most obscure one on my list. Um, but if you're a fan of the pod, you've heard me gush about other side before. Oh uh, my pick is the child, who is the antagonist of other side. Oh. Um essentially the gist of the gist of the child is the other side mythos has these um these beings that can attach themselves to you and you have like a symbiotic relationship so in other side you're you're kind of like pov character is named the mother and it is implied that you the player playing the game are the godly being attached to her and that's why you work together i
2: I love that shit i yeah
3: yeah yeah it's a really cool approach and mm. so technically i could also say that my choice for the list is the being that is inside of the child because it's the sure. child himself is the vessel
2: yeah uh-huh.
3: um he um he's a very young boy who because of the being attached to him called the suffering he is granted immortality
4: oh.
2: he contracts
3: the plague yes and is constantly uh researched and carved up by plague doctors especially mm-hmm. this guy who they just call the surgeon mm-hmm. um and this kid is just put through the most horrible ringer like every time they they you know flay him open and try to understand his immortality the kid's still alive he keeps regenerating mm. he's put into care of this corrupt religious figure called the deacon um and the and the child forms a brother-sister relationship with one of his maids, who, when the deacon finds this out, throws her into his cell that he stays in, so that he has to watch as she contracts the plague from him and dies.
2: Ah, uh, yes.
3: And as soon as that happens, the last bit of human willpower that the child had that was holding back the suffering caves. Deep. Mm-hmm. He- he snaps watching his, his essentially sister die from the plague that he gave her. Mm-hmm. And so once the suffering takes over, he unleashes the nightmare hellscape that we are playing in. Mm. And it is, it is brutal to work your way through the bosses. Because all the bosses of the game are people from his memories. So, you know, the first ones, they feel great to kill. You know, you fight the plague doctor. Oh, it feels great killing him. You fight the deacon. It feels really good kicking his ass. And then you have to fight the maid. And you go, oh, this doesn't sit well with me. And then you have to fight the child. And there's just that, that great, bittersweet nature of, yes, you are the source of this world being the nightmare hellscape that it is. And yes, we have to stop you but you didn't deserve any of this.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And there's, there's something very, you know, very beautiful about that kind of, of storytelling and, and agony that you have to kind of suffer yourself, you know, suffer through yourself as the player, um, you know, and, and other side is just one of those games that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look for any opportunity. I get to stand on an apple box and talk about how great I think other side is, but. Yeah, just for um, just for the, I don't know, the impact of of that of that antagonist really just making you the player not want to hurt them. Like, there's something about that I really appreciate. You yeah, know, that that tells me it's
0: great character design, great writing.
3: Yeah, yeah so that's, that's,
0: that's how I feel with Made in Australia too. Mm-hmm. Where it's, I, I don't yeah. want to... It. It's I, I I realize I have to, but I mm-hmm. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know
2: yeah No. oh yeah that's like, uh three, that's three picks. my
3: number seven the child slash the suffering
2: mm-hmm. cool, yeah, kind of makes me wish that I had more characters like that in games I've played, but yeah, I don't um so uh, my number seven now, yeah, yeah. I don't have as good of a segue, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, oh
3: alright, I forgive you. <laughs>
4: um,
2: because I don't yeah. Um So this this one was this one was also kind of a bit of a struggle for me to pick. Um just because I think that this series has a lot of strong antagonists. Um and I thought about picking some of the one-off ones because I think they are very strong. Um, but I decided to go out, go with a returning antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: okay. and,
2: and yeah, there is actually, I will say, probably not as much tragedy as your two most recent picks, um, but definitely a little bit at least. Um, so, you know, what is... And also, what is a list of mine without a selection from Mist?
1: Um, <laughs> okay.
2: So yeah, my uh, my number seven is Cirrus, one of the brothers in Mist. Cool. Okay. Um, so to give some like a little bit of backstory, in the first game, very simple, um, he's one of the one of the two brothers that is trapped in the books in the library. Um, and as you continue playing the game, you kind of get a little bit more information about who they are um, and sort of what they've, what they've been doing. Um, And they are, uh, they're responsible for burning a bunch of the books in uh, their father's library, uh, which essentially, you know, if you don't, if you don't know this about mist, but the books are like keys to worlds. Um, So essentially they've killed, like they've like genocided people basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's very fucked up. Um, And Basically the reason they uh are, are now trapped um in the library is because their dad, Atris, like set a trap for them, essentially. Um and uh uh that basically that sort of becomes the like tragic crux of like the family drama that plays out uh throughout Mist. Um because basically the decision to imprison uh because by the end of Mist, sorry, I will uh, uh, be more articulate, but um, the end of Mist is uh, if, you, if, you get, if you free Atrus from his own prison, um, he gets out and he burns the two linking books to the prison ages that hold his sons. Uh, and the implication is that they're dead then, right? Um, except you learn much, much later uh, in the fourth game, which I listed as... I think my one of my favorite games of all time in our big favorite games of all time list.
0: Watch that episode if you haven't. Yeah, yeah get out hey. and watch it. Um, you
2: but fucks. um basically the um you learn at the beginning of uh, the fourth game that burning those two linking books didn't kill them but imprisoned them like for good in these ages. Um and then in the fourth game you end up sort of like you spend the entire time uncovering sort of like what the decision to permanently imprison their sons has done to their father has done to their mother, Catherine, um, and even has an impact on their like much younger sister who was born while they were in, you know, while they were in captivity and like has never met them before. Um, and essentially it is, they both get out in the fourth book or in the fourth the fourth game rather they get out of their books and they kidnap Yisha um and you are you are tasked with you know following them through these various ages and trying to get their sister back and like save her um the uh the other brother Akinar, um he is actually redeemed in the fourth game so, uh, as you learn more about him, you learn that his time—I think they spent twenty years in like complete isolation on these worlds that are, have like no no people in them. Um, so both of them kind of went nuts. Um, but Ak kind of like sort of figured out that like what he what they did was wrong, and like kind of started to try to figure out how to make how to make amends or how to like grow as a person. Even though he's also kind of like dealing with this isolation Sirius, on the other hand completely irredeemable basically he he kind of like falls off the deep end um and he he basically hatches the scheme to uh basically transplant his consciousness into yisha because his whole his dream since he's been a kid has been to write ages um, and he, when he learns that Yisha's getting lessons from their dad on how to write ages, which are the exact lessons that Atrus wanted to teach to his sons before they fucking, you know, genocided a whole bunch of ages, um, he gets furious and decides, like, he's going to train me one way or the other. So, yeah. It's it's a wonderful, it's a very fucked up story. Um, and I just love it because it's there's this element of, like, Essentially, Atrus creates his own monster,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know? Um, and, and yeah, that actually plays out a lot in uh, in the series as a whole, because I also considered Gen in this spot. Gen is the main villain of Riven. Um, Gen is Atrus's father. Uh, and there's a whole massive backstory there that I won't even get into from, like, the <laughs> novels and, like, everything like that. Um, but then also, the third game has another uh, antagonist in uh Saavedra uh who is who is um uh he's he's a he's a victim of the brothers uh like like genocidal book burnings um so essentially he and this is sort also sort of when they start to hint at like maybe not all of the worlds were lost when their books were burned um because essentially he loses he was like not on his not in his age when they were when they were burned so he's been stuck uh where the brothers stranded him essentially. Um and his his whole goal is like, I wanna make you pay for what your family did to my family. Um and like it turns out that like end of the game, you you basically like allow him to go home. <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's a, and he's he's a fantastic villain. So basically like the whole Mist series is amazing villains, but I think that like in terms of impact as a whole, I think Sirius is probably my favorite because I think just like not only for himself, but for like his impact on everyone else. Because basically, none of the other villains in the franchise would even exist if not for Sirius and Akinar.
3: That so. whole rundown was really fascinating because, as someone who's <laughs> very aware of the Myth series, but has never gotten hands on with it and is very much an outsider. Mm-hmm. it's easy to fall into that headspace of, oh, Myst is that puzzle game. And yes. you just yeah. kind of take it at face value as just being a puzzle game. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, it's got its own world and storytelling. There's, and There
2: is a ton of lore. And like-
3: As it's... soon as you said the books, I'm like, oh, fuck.
2: <laughs> 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 There's
3: extended lore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might be- oh, I'm I'm not obsessed. It's fine. <laughs>
3: It's okay, J- James and I are gonna watch Yoko Taro's near stage plays. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's no, a great I, pick. Thank you, thank you, James.
0: Yeah, speaking of uh, impactfulness and suffering, my number seven Ooh, is yeah. Red Pyramid thing from Silent Hill Two.
2: Oh, oh, nice. wait. Yeah, Pyramid Head.
0: Yeah, red. Yeah, Red Pyramid thing. He's, AKA he's- Pyramid Head.
2: He's my number ten. Hey, there we oh, go. Hey. Uh, I, I think the main reason he didn't make it higher on my list was because I think he's he's very iconic. Um, I think he, no. but I don't. I don't necessarily. I didn't necessarily think he was like hugely impactful in his uh, in his antagonism. But James, prove me wrong. <laughs> he was.
3: He was on my on my like consideration list.
0: For yeah, yeah. For, for me, a lot of it just primarily re- uh, it has to do with like. The symbolism and his yeah. use in in the the core narrative and what he represents for James Sunderland mm-hmm. as opposed as opposed to like his overall motivations or 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 scheming because he's 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 kind of an enigma. We don't really know what yeah. the fuck Red Pyramid thing is thinking outside of just I'm That's I'm fair. here to be a, a spooky little I, creepy I, I... fuck. Uh, yeah, I'm
2: here to fuck mannequins and, yeah. and, uh, and
0: stand stand on the other side of a friends. fucking <laughs> and stand on the other side of a fucking we do not gate kink staring shame at you menacingly.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It, if you unless unless uh, you're Rensi and you comment about sucking my toes on a photo of JoJo, then then I'll kink shame you. It's not even a joke either, Rentsy. uh Anyways, yeah. Hey,
2: hey don't. Don't call out one of our two listeners like that, Renzi You suck on all the toes you want, baby. Unless
0: they're mine, suck on <laughs> other people's toes, not mine.
2: You 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 consensually suck on all the toes you want, Renzi yeah. Suck
0: on my toes, Renzi.
2: Oh boy. <laughs>
0: oh boy. He's getting too hot for YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just mostly like what he 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 represents. I don't want to go. I guess, too much into it since we had that fucking announcement about the Silent Hill 2 remake, and I'm sure a lot of people who've yeah. never played Silent Hill 2 before are... <laughs> Which you're thrilled about. I'm, so, I'm so thrilled about it. Uh, I know. I'm. Listen, I'm, listen. I'm, 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 I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be experiencing Silent Hill 2 for the first time, and even though it's I an old fucking game, listen, I don't want to, like, James, spoil that.
2: Silent Hill 2 can never be the worst thing ever, because Silent Hill HD Collection exists, All right. you know. <laughs> y- you
0: just you you say that, and I'm sure there's gonna be like press X to suffocate Mary with a pillow.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. And it, on. it'll be a
0: slow time event. Um,
2: we said no spoilers.
0: <laughs> we did, but you know what?
2: <laughs> oh.
3: Roses are red and blue is the sea the remake is coming
0: it all ends S&P. in me <laughs> Yeah so yeah that's that's basically oh, my my thing is nice. my mo- most of this order outside of maybe the top 3 is mm, completely yeah. arbitrary for me so
2: Yeah Okay cool I,
0: Like I said I picked I picked 9s for 9 for the meme value so
2: Yeah of course number 6
3: well speaking of Boom actually
2: oh, james, oh boy,
3: james yeah. has his 9s oh i also have a 9s <gasps> i have the nine ball serif <laughs> from armored core
2: <laughs> okay okay
3: now let me tell you about this asshole okay so nine ball is kind of the recurring villain in armored core who just keeps popping up and you keep going didn't we like take care of you and they just do the hand wave and it's like shut up it's nine ball he's he's here again deal with it and typically when villains start doing that i get really really frustrated mm-hmm. except every time nine ball shows up in another armored core game i get like a little giddy and i'm like oh <laughs>
1: shit I, I don't know how many times
3: i gotta a teach shit. you this lesson old man <laughs> so the, the framing for his initial appearance is every Armored Core game has two different like major roads you can play. They have the missions, which are like the core narrative. And there's the arena, which is battle your way to the top of the rankings against all the other pilots. And Nineball is the top of the heap. He's number one. His, uh, Nineball is the suit. The pilot is named Hustler One. And the whole game, you're kind of like in his shadow. You're, you're doing the missions and you're hearing about how fucking cool Nine Ball is. And by the time you reach the end of the game, the, uh, the story missions and the arena start to converge because it's revealed that Hustler One doesn't exist and is an alias. And Nine Ball Seraph is a sentient AI that has uh, become self aware. Um, it's a super advanced combat unit, and it started. Okay. It started like weaving these really complex stratagems. And essentially, what it's done is, in the world of Armored Core, the world is run by like the mega corporations. The entire point of the game is you play as a mercenary and you keep selling yourself out on contracts to these mega corps so that they can have their pissing matches with each other. And Nine Ball has figured out. That is completely illogical and doesn't make any sense. Uh, these mega corporations need to go. So Nineball has infiltrated the nervous network that runs, uh, that runs all of the missions for the mercenary company called the Raven's Nest. And the entire game, all of the missions that you've been running to disrupt the operations of all the corporations have been organized by Nineball. And you have been kind of the puppet knocking out the corporations.
2: Would you kindly,
3: eh? Exactly. It's oh, very no. much a would you kindly situation. Oh, no. And so then you oh. find out at the end, okay, to 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 bring this all to an end, I have to beat the number one in the arena. And you do it. You, you beat nine balls ass. And then you get to the expansion and it turns out well technically like the Nine Ball was just a program it has it has upgraded itself built itself a new suit called the Seraph which is where Nine Ball Seraph comes in and has started mass producing itself because it now realizes after learning from its failures oh I can't rely on other people to do this I need to do it myself therefore I must create an army so you have to then fight through to destroy the, the source of the AI itself. But because of how deeply integrated it's been into the nervous system that coordinates all these missions and everything for your mercenary network, you effectively destroy your own mercenary team. You, you wipe out their nervous system, their whole network, oh, fuck. and leave it defunct. And... There's just something so cool, like I said, about like when you think the problem's dealt with and it'll just like rear its head every so often, because it's a persistent forever evolving computer program. You think you're gonna take care of it, and then every couple of games, mm-hmm. you'll see you'll see nine ball pop up and you go no no. Uh, no, no,
2: man.
3: You, you, remember, you, you, you finally you so goes back fuck. Into his hole. <laughs> there's there's just something so delightfully persistent about nine ball that is really endearing. And then you know right. on a on a functional level like the fights with his suits are always really really difficult, but mm. in that way of they're always like fair one-on-ones. Like I think there's a couple of exceptions where there's a couple like ads or like you have to fight two like weaker versions of nine ball at once, but mostly it's just a good one-on-one mech duel with the best in the world.
0: And oh, yeah. um
3: yeah, you know, I, I I he's he's definitely a little bit of like a childhood nostalgia pick, but I I do love me some nine ball This is this is the one on the list that James called out. James is like, all right, I where where on your list is
0: nine ball? And, and I which, said which nine, nine ball. Because I yeah, know there's which... like 98 different fucking nine balls.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And my answer is all of them. Oh my
4: God.
2: <laughs>
3: and Nine Ball Seraph is sitting nice and comfy at number six. Excellent. Beautiful.
2: Excellence. Okay. My number six. Um, I think this one is a bit of a cheat okay. because uh, I kind of want to just like, I think this character is like the first example of like a trope in the series. And it's a trope I really enjoy. Um, and so therefore, like, I, I struggle to just like straight up pick them because I'm just like, well, it's, it's more that I really like anytime time they do this kind of thing. So. I think most people would say that the main antagonist of the Phoenix Wright trilogy mm-hmm. is Edgeworth. Oh, my God. And I would disagree with those people. I think Edgeworth is a fantastic character. I think he's a very fun antagonist to go up against. But I think ultimately, the line between antagonist and, like, friend is so blurred with Edgeworth that it becomes kind of a, you know, like, like you're like a basically... a frenemy
3: situation. It's a
2: frenemy situation, yes. it's It's enemies to lovers, and I'll hear no other... <laughs> no arguments otherwise. The um, fan
3: fiction is written?
2: <laughs> it, it's not even fan fiction. It's in the... Ga- it's subtext <laughs> in the games, damn it. Um, but, uh... <laughs> um, my pick, though, for who I think is one of the best antagonists or best antagonist types in uh the Phoenix Wright games is Bon Karma. Um, so... For those of you who haven't played, uh, Von Karma is the prosecutor that trained Edgeworth. He's, like, the guy. He is, like, the head prosecutor. He has a spotless fucking record in court. Basically, if you go up against Von Karma, you lose, basically. Like, like, it's just, like... So he is built up through the first game as this, like you know, just, like, really... Like, you're like, okay, he's gonna be, like, a tough fucking boss, right? Um, and then the final case is... And this is also why I bumped Edgeworth off of, like, eh, you're not really... You're not really the antagonist here. The final case is that Edgeworth, who has been your opponent in these courtroom battles for, um... Hi, buddy. Uh, for most of... For most of the game. For most of the, uh, um you know, most of the court cases, uh, he gets accused of murder. And you oh have to defend God. him. I know, it's it's such a twist. So, uh, you have to defend him, and the prosecutor in the case is his former mentor, Von Karma. Um, And, like, when I tell you this final case was such a jump in difficulty, like, it becomes this, like, he basically... Like, it's not just, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's schemy he's villainous. He owns the fucking courtroom. He's, like, telling the judge what to do. he's He's making it so that, like, when you get an answer wrong, it's not just, oh, you get dinged one of your points, and if you lose three of those points, you have to, like, start from an earlier save. He's like, if you fuck this questioning up, you're out of the courtroom. Like, game fucking over. Um, And it's just, like, it's one of the most, like, intense, fun final battles. Um, And also, spoiler alert, he's the murderer.
0: (laughs) Oh my god.
2: So so essentially, you have to take this guy who's, like, completely in power and not only, like, you know, kind of usurp his position, but also prove that he's the true villain, like, you know, behind, behind everything. And it's just, like, it's such a cool final boss encounter he's just he's got such a neat like menacing air about him um and they've done in in follow-up phoenix right games they've done similar characters which like most recently they had one um in the greatest attorney chronicles that i won't i won't spoil because it's like kind of a major spoiler and those games came out fairly recently um, but a very similar, like, Von Karma vibe, where it's, like, this guy is the fucking, you know, the power of, of, he's basically, like, the law Yeah, where you are, right? I, I just like, looked
3: up a picture of this dude, and I'm like, oh, this totally looks like the final boss of an Ace Attorney game.
2: Uh-huh, huh abso absolutely, fucking and he's just, he's wonderful, he's, he's awesome, um, and he's got, yeah, he's got quite the, um... Uh, I think his reputation is deserved. He's he's a very he's a very tough boss, especially especially like the first time you go through the game, because all of a, like you know you've had you've had uh, so much leeway with Edgeworth, where you're kind of equals. Maybe you're a little bit underneath him, but like you know, like he's been practicing for ten years and you just started, so like uh, there's a little bit. But like this guy, spotless fucking record. He's been literally like a staple of the courts for like the entire time they've been established. And yeah, not only do you have to like prove that he murdered this guy, but also prove that he's behind like a a, a cold case from 10 years ago that resulted in uh like, you know, basically like he's also somewhat really relevant to Maya's death from like the, or sorry, uh, Mia's death from the very beginning and like the death of Maya and Mia's mother. And it's like, oh my God, like, <laughs> so yeah, he's a fantastic antagonist. And uh, he's my number six. Beautiful. Uh, I forget what his first name is, but Von Karma. Prosecutor Von Karma.
0: Well, speaking of um, secret villains, uh, my number six is, is from a game that I played actually this year uh, Wendy from Rule of Rose. Ooh. She Aww. is a. She. She is. She, it's. It's really, really kind. It's. She is such a fucking monster. Uh, <laughs> she. Is, she is a manipulative, gaslighting asshole. You can kind of see to an extent where she's coming from because a lot of what she does stems from her own history and backstory and 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 whatnot. But like everything that happened to your character all of the the endless bullying that you endured and and the tragedies that occur in rule of rose stem from her and her jealousy um long long story short i think i've, I've mentioned this to you guys off off podcast uh, although i gushed briefly about rule of rose before um your character meets Wendy uh wh- after you survive a, a a um a zeppelin crash and you're kind of taken in by this farmer who has undergone his own tragedy where he lost his son and is taking you in and has kind of convinced himself that you're his son um mm-hmm. and she's a orphan at a local orphanage and because of the fact that you're dressed as a boy she's constantly like hanging out with like like peeping in on you and and uh she she and you kind of eventually form this very special bond that is uh up to interpretation. Some say it's a very close friendship, some say it's it's a romance. Um but regardless, she helps you escape your little predicament and you go mo- move into the orphanage and all is perfect until your character discovers an abandoned puppy. That you name Brown. Uh, because uh, Jennifer, God bless her, is kind <laughs> of unoriginal. Oh, it's a brown <laughs> dog. I'm going to name it Brown. Oh. Um, uh, anyways, Wendy becomes jealous of Brown. Mm-hmm. The idea that someone is taking away her friendship or relation or something is taking her, taking away your attention from her. So she's constantly... She constantly tried to basically um, convince you to abandon Brown, and and the fir- the more that she did this, uh, the more it kind of pushed Jennifer away from Wendy. Uh, so she then began to uh, sort of do Machiavellian esque shit and kind of orchestrate shit behind the scenes to get the other orphans <laughs> at the orphanage to bully you incessantly, in in mm-hmm. the hopes of trying to get you to abandon your 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 brand new dog. Um and when that didn't work, she orchestrated the murder of Brown. Uh and it's it's a heartbreaking, tragic fucking reveal, and it and it leads to the the ending that I said I, I've told you where I fucking cried on stream because of it. It was it was just so heart wrenching and everything like that. But like because the, because the way that the game is presented, it's, it's an adult Jennifer revisiting the orphanage that she grew up in because she basically blocked out all of her memories of her time there due to the intense emotional trauma that she, she experienced there. And her, she's kind of revisiting her fragmented memories out of order, and Wendy is sort of presented as like the one light that like the only orphan who's not bullying you when in reality she's the one who is orchestrating everything and it, it's just it's just heartbreaking and cruel and 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 exceptionally well written and it's tragic but yeah Wendy from uh, Rule of Rose Oh yeah I
3: nice. I really like that that's making an appearance here because Rule of Rose is one of those games that was like notoriously um like undersold and under yeah. you know mm. yeah it
0: it produced it, it, it a lot of that stemmed from fucking a a stupid moral panic where uh, uh
1: yeah, politicians
0: course. and journalists uh basically kind of made shit up about the game mm-hmm. like they they claimed that the game had underage eroticism, which isn't true, and they claim mm-hmm. that there's a sequence where children are buried alive and 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 it's like that's also not true. Like at one point, you mm. as a grown ass adult are thrown into a coffin, which is then transported into an airship. But you're not buried, and you're not a uh, child. I mean,
2: it's part yeah. of it. It's a
0: hazing ritual, and it's fucked up. Sure, but what, like,
2: what do you mean? That's just how I get around in Elden. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. That's yeah. that's what mm-hmm. you do. That's what you do. Like, and and it it. Now, the part, are you
2: telling me those gods were hazing me the whole time?
0: Yes. Just not know uh, <laughs> It's it's it. The the controversy got so bad uh, that uh, the Sony Sony who actually published the game in Japan refused to localize it, and um, some, some of the, these like
2: fan localizations that you are playing.
0: No, no, no. It it did it it uh, similar to Demon's Souls. Other publishers picked up the slack and decided to like
3: uh-huh, localize it, it for the
0: West. Uh, but like Five Hundred Five Games uh, brought it out in Europe. However, controversy got so bad there that they had to cancel the release in, like, half of Europe. It was... It, even, like, Peggy, the board that rates the game in Europe, was like, we don't know where these criticisms are coming from. They have clearly not played the game. We <laughs> have. We've, we've rated it accordingly. We don't know why, like, the Italian Prime Minister is trying to get this game off, like, like stop it from being sh- sold. None of what he's saying is true, but it it didn't stop the game from being effectively not sold in Australia and uh, uh, England and a few other countries. Uh, Gameplay is like absolute fucking shit. The devs even admitted it at a very rough cycle, but it's so exceptionally well-written that I highly recommend it, but uh, good luck getting an affordable copy because since... Since there's this whole big controversy, uh, uh, it is one of the most expensive PlayStation Two games. Yeah. Uh, typically, an uh, a a used copy of the game can sell for like nine hundred dollars on eBay. Yeah. It's it's kind of insane. So, uh, you know, you you cannot uh, you can always do what I did and emulate it because I ain't fucking spending nine hundred bucks on this shit. I, I ain't got that kind of money.
3: In the, in in many circumstances like that, emulation is more than acceptable. Yeah, Get out there and play that yes. shit, people. yeah. yeah. And the story must be heard.
0: The story must be heard. Just know that the gameplay is fucking, the combat is fucking terrible. <laughs> it is fucking infuriating, so download a save off Game and use the bonus weaponry to expedite the combat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did, baby! Let's go! Hell yeah. Backfrauding your way through it. Fuck yeah, baby.
2: Nice. Good choice. All right. Number five. Okay. Mambo number five. Now, oh.
3: this is the closest I get to pushing a rule. Mm. Um, and it's the, it's the rule of... At, at, at which point does, does an antagonist who does something completely irredeemable but then later on become frenemies like when does that become justified at what point Mm, is like the shit you've done has just been so heinous that like uh i really don't agree with you being like partnered up with the protagonist now
1: Mm, okay um
3: and i'm also going to i'm going to say that my pick is mostly kind of like condensed to the game that it all takes place in and less maybe the supplementary material that follows it it'll make sense after I say my pick so my pick uh, are the Turks Reno and Rude from Final Fantasy
0: 7 100% makes sense because fuck the supplementary material
2: <laughs>
0: so okay, I have
2: no
3: no frame of reference to this whatsoever <laughs> okay
0: so yeah. Reno and Rude are a
3: pair of recurring antagonists in Final Fantasy 7 Now, keep in mind, in FF7, your party are terrorists. You are a team of environmental terrorists, uh, and Reno and Rude work for the powers that be that run the city. They are part of Shinra Power Company. And they're the goons who keep showing up for, like, you know, intermittent boss fights to kind of, like, you know, test your levels, and, like, they're they're the difficulty gauge as you're going through it. And in the material that has followed since the mainline FF7 game, they've become frenemies with Cloud and the rest of the team, like helping them out in Advent Children versus Kadaj and his motorcycle gang. But let's not forget the fact that Reno and Rude dropped the plate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They killed. A lot of people. Countless yeah. people.
3: mm mm-hmm. And in the original game, they killed Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. So it's like, the fact that these jagoffs get a redemption arc is kind of out there.
0: Well, you know, Nomura.
3: I mean, Nomura's gonna Namora. Yeah. Um. So in the context of them just being pure antagonists, I love these guys... You know, firstly, just like, I, I, I love the simple kind of style again. You know, I love when you get a couple of dudes who just show up and they're in their like nice crisp suits and they're like, they're cracking jokes with each other and then they give you a really hard fought boss fight. I dig that. But then the fact that oh, yeah. they, they do something so heinous as to essentially drop a gigantic portion of the sky onto a bunch of innocent people killing thousands and then Namora has the balls to be like ah they're not that bad right they could get along with cloud and everybody wow okay it's so inexcusable but there's something about their dynamic that puts them really high on this list for me i'm a sucker for strong duos Jesse and James from Pokemon are a great example. Ooh, you know, yeah. you get that chemistry that just bounces off each other. And Reno and Rude are just those two dudes who, like, they've got a little bit of the bromance going on. And, you know, they're they're the guys who get sent out when shit needs to get done. Yet somehow they almost never get the job done except for that one time. <laughs> So they're kind of bumbling idiots.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I'm also I, I, I I'm with you on it a lot, especially because like I I'm sure this is known to a lot of people who played FF7, but I only kind of recently discovered it in the last couple years. There's a there's a neat bit of narrative in the actual gameplay with Reno and Rude where Kat, since I know you haven't played FF7, uh, I, I think it's Rude, uh-huh. the, the bald one. He has a crush on Tifa, yes. so whenever you're actually in, like, a battle with Rude, and if Tifa is in the party, he will never attack her. And it's a cute okay. little bit of, like, gameplay... It's
3: gameplay storytelling. Gameplay
0: storytelling that they added to a JRPG, where it's like, yeah. he's too... He's too enamored by his crush, where it's like, he he won't actually... Uh-huh. Like attack one of your party members, and it inadvertently gives you a leg up if you fucking realize this, because you can just <laughs> stack Tifa in your party, and one of the two bosses that you're fighting will never fucking attack her, and it's kind of Is great. I... <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, so it's like you've you've got you've got this dynamic duo here, and they they don't get talked about in this arena a whole lot because they're overshadowed by the other two antagonists of the game.
0: You've Nomura and Nomura
3: yeah Nomura and and time ghosts yeah um they're overshadowed by sephiroth who you know has Mm -hmm. cemented himself as one of the most iconic gaming antagonists ever and hojo who is an irredeemable piece of shit and so reno and rude kind of get you know pushed to the side in that villain capacity um i for one refuse to forget their war crimes uh, I I do not so willingly accept them with open arms into the yeah you're part of the protagonist crew now. No, these are fucking villains. These are antagonists. Yeah, they they are committing horrible atrocities for money. Um, but they're doing so with style. And I have a thing for uh for cute guys with long red hair. So Reno gets a little bonus point there. There you go. So uh yeah, Reno and Rude, the uh, the undersung heroes of Final Fantasy 7
2: Nice, good good choices. Yeah, I have, yeah, next to no frame of reference, but um, war crimes are always always a plus on the yeah, on war, the antagonist list. War
3: crimes that apparently can be forgiven.
2: Speaking of war crimes, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of, I guess. So, all right, this entry on my list, uh, probably no surprise to both of you, um, but I think. I think this is probably my my spiciest pick. Okay. Um, because I think that this game this game has a couple of different antagonists, and there is a very clear like gameplay slash like mechanical antagonist, like the main guy you're fighting the whole time, right? Sure. But I think. But the, the one that made my list, because that one, kind of boring, kind of basic. The one that made my list was the moral antagonist.
0: Mm. Okay.
2: So my number five is Lord Shimura from Ghosts of Tsushima. You okay. fucking weeb. I know. <laughs> so I love, I love, uh, I loved Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I really, I I really dug a lot of what they were doing. I think it's, I think it's got, it's got its warts, it's got its rough edges, whatever you want to call it. But I loved the combat. I loved just like running around and exploring. It kind of like really revitalized open worlds for me. Sure. But the thing I loved the most was that I really felt like Sucker Punch finally nailed a morality system because for all of Infamous, right? It's been this binary, you're you're Mr. Soupy, super Goody Two-Shoes saving kittens from trees, or you're the fucking evil asshole kicking out, like, you know, walkers from grannies kind of thing. Yeah. Right? And there's really, like, they reward those two extremes with, like, extensive gameplay bonuses, but ultimately, like, you can't, you know, like, walking the middle ground doesn't really have any benefits either in the you know in terms of gameplay in terms of mechanical advantages but also in terms of story because it will just say oh well you were kind of a little nicer to the civilians so i guess you're a total good guy right like the game doesn't really quite understand how to do that but yeah. this one did and i think this one also did something really cool where the ending of the game is not really a decision between like good and evil um it's with it you operate the entire game within these like moral shades of gray where you are you know like you're from a line of samurai and you're you know like you're you've been raised to be honorable to be you know like to to fight the way that you know you are supposed to fight right like that's just that's just how these things are supposed to work, but now you have this enemy that's come to your island that doesn't fight that way and they are fucking wiping you out because they know your fucking playbook right and so you kind of start um you know you you start to get access to and you start to side with more like subterfuge methods where you're killing dishonorably you're backstabbing somebody you're you know you're not you're not fighting fair anymore um but it's because you can't you you know like and um what ends up, like, so, sort of, uh, they balance these two kind of, like, w- whether you're, you know, completely stealthy, backstabbing, um, sneaking, or, you know, fighting duels, being honorable, um, with, they kind of encapsulate this, the, these two, not really extremes, but these two kind of, like, opposing moralities, uh, in, uh, Yuna, I believe her name is, or Yuma, um, and your uncle, Lord Shimura. And so, uh, throughout the game, the narrative kind of pushes you a little bit more towards the subterfuge. Um, and specifically, there's a scene in sort of the middle where uh, you are trying to take over a take over a palace or something that the uh, the enemies have taken over. Um, and you decide that the best way to do that is to sneak in and poison them. Like, poison their stew. So it just, like, kills them all without having to ever send any of your armies in. And your uncle's just like, fuck no, we're not doing that. You know, like, that's completely dishonorable. Like, we're not, like, like that. that is not how a samurai operates, right? Um, but you fucking do it anyway. And your whole argument is that if, you know, if you don't do it this way... A bunch of people, a bunch of your people that you are sort of like tasked with protecting, a bunch of your soldiers are going to die. They're going to get killed by these enemies because they're stronger and better equipped and have like, you know, stuff that you don't even know how to how to counter. Um so, like basically throughout the story, the you know, the the main the main con guy, I forget what his name is because he's kind of boring. <laughs> like he's basically just like huff huff I'm the big bad guy. I'm a big tough, you know, brutish guy who's just going to fucking, you know, I'm I'm the irredeemable asshole that you want to kick the teeth in of, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then but then you also have, you know, like as you're trying to make the best decisions for your people, right? You have your uncle still stuck in like his old ways, the old ways, right? Who's just trying to like Hold you back, and I think the thing that makes him so strong as an antagonist is because he is not an antagonist, <laughs> right? He is, uh, he is ultimately someone who thinks that the way he's trying to do things is the good way, is the mm-hmm. right way, is the moral way, and the way that that you're, you know, Yuma, who is someone who has lived under you know the Lord's rules forever, right? And she's somebody who's suffered under their rules, and therefore she's like we have to think about everyone, right? We have to think about the people. And, the, you know, for the most part, the game doesn't really make a sort of, like, moral decision either way. Um, but, it, you know, the narrative itself does kind of force you a little bit more into kind of, like, giving up your, your values, um, culminating with eventually, you have to fight your uncle. That is the, like, the final boss of the game is a, is a, is a duel with him. And then it ends in this, like, moral choice of, uh, you after you beat him, you either kill him, as you would, uh, you know, if it were an honorable duel, or you let him live. Because fuck, fuck the old ways, you know? <laughs> um, and I have seen so many interpretations of that moral choice at the end. Uh, I, I also saw, you know, a lot of the criticism of, like, oh, I boiled down to a binary moral choice. Boo, boo, boo. But it's, like, okay, except that the way you got there and the decision you make from that end up being so, like, like, different and not in a, like, completely diametric way. It's just, like, it's, like, basically, um, I've had many discussions with people who have played this game specifically about what they choose, chose at the end and, like, each person has their own reasoning for why they chose it. They're like, I felt like my Jin was, you know, now fully, you know, like, fully honorable, or like, or fully dishonorable, so he was gonna spare his uncle's life. And I was like, I felt like my guy was fully dishonorable, but ultimately, I wanted to, like, give my uncle what he wanted, and, like, as my last act of, like, you know, being, uh, uh, what's it called uh as my last honorable act i would give him what he wanted and kill him and then continue and like i've seen i've seen so many arguments either way that i'm just like this is such an interesting moral dilemma encapsulated in this character that i couldn't not have him on this list so number five lord shimura ghost of tsushima
3: you have no honor
2: (laughs) shameful display
3: good choice No, yeah. I, I I've wanted to get hands-on with Ghost of Tsushima for so long. Yeah. Like there's just <sighs> something about the aesthetic of it and like the the environmental storytelling with the wind and yes. knowing yes. that it has knowing that it does have this really strong narrative and cast of characters behind it makes me salivate mm-hmm. even more.
2: Yep. Yeah. No, it's it yeah. It's got a lot going for it. I, I, and again, I really, really dug the combat. So I think if you, like, I think maybe if you don't enjoy the combat, it might be a little bit less mm-hmm. um, enjoyable for you. But, uh, yeah, I, I loved it so much that after I platinumed it, I did another playthrough because I wanted to play it on the hardest difficulty that they had released, like, literally a week after I platinumed it.
3: <laughs> I was just like, yeah. That's love.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
3: Hell yeah, good pick. Yeah, thank you. Bringing, bringing some artistic picks up into hey, this list. Goddamn
2: right. Yeah, damn right. We can't get
3: too goony with it. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta get some art in there
2: for well- every Bowser Junior. <laughs> there is. A- <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of weebs and goons <laughs> and non-artistic oh. picks. Oh, yeah. Time ghosts. Let's go.
4: Let's
1: go.
0: Daisaku Kuze from Yakuza Zero. <laughs> he okay. is such a fucking shit heel. And he's mm-hmm. so fucking charismatic. And he's so fucking cool. And you fight him like. Four or five times throughout the fucking game. It's very much an instance of how many times do I have to teach you this lesson, old man? Mm -hmm. Sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not even the main antagonist, but he is like a major fucking uh, antagonistic force throughout Mm -hmm. the entire game. Uh, That's him. He's like such a fucking badass.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: He's a dude where when he is... He 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 tries to fucking kind of break yakuza code to fuck you over and when that gets back at him and he has to chop off his pinky to make up for it he's just glaring at you the entire time like this ain't over motherfucker. Uh and he yeah. has like one of my favorite fucking quotes of a of an antagonist ever. And it's right at the start of his second fight where it's uh it just goes, I'll let you in on a little something. This Yakuza game, it's not like boxing. The man who gets beat down isn't the loser. The guy who can't tough it out to the end, he's the one who loses. Don't you think? In the Yakuza life, there's no KOs. I'll tell you what, Kiryu, to me a finger or two don't mean shit. Having a wano or uh, Shibuasu beat me to the captain's spot? Couldn't give a fuck. As long as I'm alive, I'll keep getting back up for more. Which is why you, a half-ass like you, is the one thing I can't stand. Now die, you little shit! <laughs> That's the wow. second fucking fight, <laughs> dude. Now, for
3: for context, because uh, Saber posted a picture of this of this fine gentleman in our our chat room here. Um, He looks like a middle-aged Japanese salaryman who just went Ah. to the karaoke bar to hit on the underage waitresses.
0: A little bit, and then he rips off his fucking suit, and he's fucking tatted up the wazoo on his (laughs) chest and back, and Uh he's ripped. He's a former fucking boxer. The second boss fight, you're trying to escape the city in the sewers, right? And all of a sudden, a light starts shining in the distance. You're like, what the fuck? And it's a cinematic. And then you realize, shirtless motherfucking Kuze is riding a motorcycle at you, wielding a steel pipe, about to fucking smack you with it like a fucking joust, dude. It is so fucking hardcore. His boss theme is so fucking hype. I will link it to you later, Lee. I think it's my raid Mm -hmm. theme. Just Pledge of Demon, it's... He is so, like, there's 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 a little bit of nuance and a little bit of, like, conflict of ideals with, like, old Yakuza way versus new Yakuza way. But for the most part, he is just a fun, badass, shit heel of a villain who you can't wait to punch his fucking teeth in. Yeah. It's so much you fun.
2: Love us a, love us a good shit heel,
3: baby. Oh, oh, I just, I, I hate this dude just looking at him. Mm. Oh, I love it.
0: The best part too is like he that's the later Yakuza games started actually doing the whole like uh uh, scanning in actual actors thing that has become very popular in the west, right? Mm -hmm. But like the big difference between like the celebrity casting in a lot of modern games versus like Yakuza is they intentionally cast actors who are known for like prolific careers in yakuza movies. Like this this guy has been in a shit ton of fucking yakuza movies. Like he's he's kind of infamous for that. Like the cool. th- fucking Yakuza 6 has Beat Takeshi as one of the main characters. Yes. Like Hell they you yeah. go hard with their 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 choice yakuza casting. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my number 5. No no real intelligence behind it. He's just fucking fun, dude. He's no, such a No, you got to have some
3: villains like that. Just chewing some scenery, riding a motorcycle shirtless in a sewer? Fuck with, yeah. with
0: a fucking, like, like six-foot-long pipe
3: oh. that he's
0: dragging on the ground as he's riding at you.
3: Oh, It's I so fucking...
0: Shit. Yeah, Yakuza is so fucking cool, dude. And, <laughs> and it's got yeah. a lot of great fucking antagonists, some of whom are, are, like, you know, more major antagonists, or some of whom are, are maybe more integral to the narrative but Kuze is just so fucking fun and his boss oh, awesome. theme is so fucking hype. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's that's number
1: Excellent. 5. Awesome. All right. Number, well, number four. F-
3: number 4. Speaking of badass boss themes.
4: <laughs>
3: you you know you're in I trouble. Love these <laughs> you know you're in trouble when you walk into a boss arena and the music starts and it's the title music.
2: Oh, no. Yep. <laughs>
3: That's when you go, oh, no, I'm fucked, aren't I? Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, no. I know who this
3: is. <laughs> on the topic of which Elden Ring guy is on Lee's <laughs> list. My pick is Radagon the Red. Beautiful. Okay.
2: okay. Uh, so, listen, of, of all of the potential Elden Ring, like, antagonists you could have picked. I think he's the best one
3: let's hear let's hear you out radagon radagon checks so many boxes for me like personally um that okay where do i start um storyline wise i i like that he makes perfect sense as the final boss If you've, you know, kept up with the lore and the items and everything, like Elden Ring, much like the other Soulsborne games, doesn't spoon-feed you plot and everything. You've got to kind of figure it out as you go, and you get out of it however much you want to delve into it. And yet still, I I was even talking with the two of you as I was playing Elden Ring the first time, where I was nearing the end of the game, and I said, okay, I see, like... Four possible people who could be the final boss of this game. Mm -hmm. And then little did I know I would have to fight all four of them in a gauntlet (laughs) because two of them are technically the same person. Yes, correct. (laughs) Now, shout out to Gideon. I do love my boy Gideon. Find the Elban Arc, woman. I'm I feel you, man. But you literally you monologue so long that I can just body you before you start casting spells. Mm -hmm. Uh fucking randy savage as the second boss in the gauntlet fantastic radagon the red um he he does something that i really like with boss uh with boss battles which is against the little things i like a boss who just takes his time walking towards you Mm
1: -hmm. yeah because
3: you know it is absolute trouble when that distance gets closed um so for uh I guess I should have maybe prefaced since Elden Ring is, you know, a newer game. I should have said spoilers, but wait, you know, sorry. Okay, yeah, Radagon's sorry. the boss of the game. Sorry, And, y'all. <laughs> and, Ra- and, Ra- and Radagon and Queen Marika are technically the same, the same person, yes. but they're not because they have separate wills. But that's yeah. when you start to dig into the meat and potatoes of this whole fucking lore yeah. thing, which isn't even fully explained yet. And mm-hmm. maybe the DLC will explain it, but I don't think it will so radagon was uh the commander of the forces of the capital of landel they went to war with the mages academy of rea lucaria failed and radagon's like hey i may have i may have failed but uh your queen she's pretty spicy uh uh chemistry marries her has some demigod children and then uh uh-oh the elden lord godfrey just got exiled from the from the kingdom I guess I can just move back home to the capital and marry the queen, who is also technically myself because yep. <laughs> reasons.
2: Uh so, I have, uh, I have an absolutely fantastic meme uh, that breaks this down perfectly. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I know
3: exactly which yeah, one.
2: <laughs> I, I've sent it many times in the chat, but it's it's the like you versus like the guy she told you not to worry about. And it's, it's an entire breakdown of America and Radagon. And it goes through like basically their whole lineage and then circles back around to like,
3: <laughs> yeah. to just you, <laughs> just
2: like, just like you, you also, you. <laughs> yeah.
3: And when you dig into the, into the little technicalities and the little tidbits of the plot, it does get, it does get really interesting when you realize they have separate wills because America and Radagon have different goals Right. America wanted to shatter the Elden Ring yeah. and that means to compromise the Golden Order, which is the embodiment of their god, the greater will, and Radagon's like, nah I like that Golden Order thing and um, so there's some cool duality getting played with there, you're not even exactly sure what's going on, even when you read all the information, and then it doesn't fucking matter when you get to that boss arena, and the theme song of the game starts playing and this nine-foot-tall Greek god-ripped Adonis starts throwing lightning bolts at you. Yep. Yeah. It's it's such an imposing boss fight that isn't tarnished by a second boss that follows him. I have no idea what you're uh. talking about. <laughs> Anagon, and then the see, game ends. You
2: see, Lee, this is this is actually exactly why he didn't make my list. Because I was like, <laughs> technically, he is he is like the 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 precursor to the true final boss, which is a I, huge uh, fucking letdown, which is, a,
3: which is an actual <laughs> space alien, a, yes, a, a, a thumb
0: dragon, if you will, our our
2: big space whale boy.
3: So I, there's there's a, a thing I like about him, which is he he's he's always kind of like wrestling for control of the body that he that he shares with Merica, and. Like in the opening sequence of the game, you know you don't have context until later, but you see Merica shattering the Elden Ring, and then there's like a flash, and then you see Radagon sm- smashing the anvil again. You find out he's actually trying to reforge the ring, but can't. So mm-hmm. she's already fucked up, and he's trying to fix it. Yeah. And the Greater Will, their God, is like, Ah, uh, no, you you broke you broke the Elden Ring. You fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh so we're banishing you, Merica, to. To the tree, which yeah. also means we're banishing you, Radagon. Sorry, that's...
2: sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not <laughs> sorry. No, bro. sorry.
3: That's, that's just them breaks. And so then you, as the tarnished, you mean your get husband,
2: in. Your wife, also yeah. you. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: And so you, you as the tarnished, fight your way to to claim the title of Elden Lord. You get to the Irid Tree, and Merica breaks free from from her shackles, and. Merica would probably be totally cool with the tarnished, like, ending things as yeah. they know it. Yeah. But Radagon wrestles control back one more time, grabs the hammer that broke the Elden Ring and goes, all right, this is, the, I I gotta do one last thing. And then a space alien doesn't show up to ruin everything. <laughs>
4: so
2: like I, I said, I, like... yeah. It's I, just, I think that's a really good pick,
3: Lee. He, it's it's a little bit of recency bias.
2: Yeah, sure, sure.
3: But that's again, fun. it checks a lot of boxes for me that are very personal. Yes, like yeah, Like aesthetics. Yeah, love him. Um, no,
2: he's he's aesthetically he's fantastic. I, yeah, I I think yeah. for me the big reason because I think where he checks a lot of boxes for you, he checks a lot of boxes in the like not interesting for me in that he's. Mostly silent. Mm -hmm. Uh, You find out most of the lore about him through like exposition, basically. And I'm just kind of like, I don't ever actually. He is he is always a a sort of force in the background, but it's Mm -hmm. not it's not in the. And I think this is just probably my issue with how Soulsborne games deliver their narrative in, in general, where it's like, cool, I like that I have to kind of, I like that it's not spoon fed to me, but also. Reading text boxes is probably one of the least interesting ways you sure. could possibly deliver a narrative. Like just yeah. being like being like, oh, this is the blade of so-and-so. And I'm just like, I'm already like, okay, cool. I'm glad I got to, yeah, it's just like it's not my style. Sure. <laughs> no, that that, <laughs> like yeah, that totally yeah, totally, but, like,
3: totally but, understandable. But like
2: hearing, yeah, like hearing you kind of like retell. The lore is very much like, yeah, it's cool fucking lore. It's cool as shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's also a little bit of like
3: butter. a petty asshole, too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, he, he has a signature weapon that he doesn't even wield it. In the game, there's the Golden Order Greatsword, which is this big shining mm-hmm. sword of light. And then breeding into the, the lore of the weapons, when he married Queen Ranala of the Academy... The Carrions always gift a Moonlight Sword as a wedding present, which is mm-hmm. why if you wed Rani, you're given a great sword. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, you Queen are. Queen Ranala gave a Moonlight Sword to Radagon, who then said, hey, this is cool, but I think it'd be a lot cooler if I did this to it, and then fucks it up and makes yeah. it a Golden Order sword. It's you just
1: like, you're such a petty it's little thick. shit. Yeah. I
3: love you.
2: Oh,
0: that's great. Never so, yeah. never never shame the fucking moonlight swords. God damn it, they're fucking badass. They are. They are pretty
2: badass.
3: No, that's that's why every playthrough I will I will gladly bend the knee and serve my my puppet yeah. goddess. Moon Queen?
2: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely. The so, only yeah. the only other, well, yeah. For for my character in particular, I was like, yeah, moon goddess perfect because he's all he was all sorcery and magic. Uh, any other character, I really want to. I really want to three fingers it someday. <laughs> someday I will.
3: But yeah, and then last and most important, just like with Reno, hey, I like pretty boys with long red hair. So yeah, yeah, the yeah,
2: there yeah. we go. Hey, there you go. Listen. <laughs>
0: It, are are there just the remainder? Okay, yeah. We all, have, got have, okay, I've yeah, got we
2: all have we all have our types. I I really time. hope
0: that the remainder of Lee's list is just pretty boys with long it's red hair. Pretty boys with long red hair. Well,
3: it's better than the initial version of the list I made, which was
0: just ten Xehanorts. <laughs> I would have just stopped recording
2: <laughs> at like number nine when it's <laughs> another one. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> all right, number nine on my list, Lee. Good night, everybody. Is another Zanortis, shortest <laughs> podcast ever.
2: <laughs> all right. Speaking of all of our types,
0: <laughs> ah.
2: I I I don't think he needs much of an introduction. It's Wesker. Hey, <laughs> hey
0: my Wesker eight.
2: is my number four. <laughs> no,
0: my, my number, number nothing, but I do oh. love Wesker.
2: Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, you had to make room for uh, for Irving. We know.
0: <laughs> I told you there's we not know. a single Resident Evil character on my list.
2: We know what if, if,
0: if it was gonna be one, it'd be Booba We Tyrant.
2: we know. All right, I, all right.
0: Yeah, you you take the
3: lead on this because you've got him higher. I'll just say I'm, I um yeah, he was my number eight. I, I almost I almost did Carl Heisenberg instead. <gasps>
2: oh you, Heisenberg no, would be I, good. I get that. I understand that for good. you, absolutely, Lee. Like. Almost, <laughs>
3: almost did Heisenberg. The, but yeah, was, why don't you take us away, Wesker?
2: This man as his, as his uh, Discord profile picture for, like, months. Was, yeah,
0: like, Heisenberg's, wild, Heisenberg's yeah. so good. I just hate his fucking boss fight. His boss
2: that's, fight is awful. That's, but.
3: that's actually the thing that stopped me from picking him. Yeah, hey. yep.
2: Whereas Wesker... Hey.
3: He's like, hey. great boss
2: awesome boss fights. Yeah, yeah. he does. <laughs> he's, he's just, he's like... He's such a shit heel. Like I really don't think we even need to talk about him that much. Like we no. just fucking move on to the next it's, person cuz I'm just
3: deliciously like, evil and loves a, it. He, he loves, loves the it.
0: olive garden. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: he loves the all no no he's just he's just wonderful. He's he's completely campy and over the top and just like, and it's just it's just like I I love you. I love you. Never stop. Like, no, no, <laughs> no he no needs matter-
0: a little mustache to twirl. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> no, no matter
0: the incarnation, no matter the voice, no matter the game, mm-hmm. he is so much fucking fun. Even mm-hmm. when he's a stupid fucking nerd in RE1 on PS1, it's just mm-hmm. Chris? He's so stop fun. Stop it. Stop laughing at me, Chris. <laughs> Chris, stop it. I'm sorry, not I'm not funny. used to escorting men. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just such a shitheel.
2: Absolutely. And he he's fucking just, wears he's... his
0: sunglasses at 2 o'clock in the morning and fucking indoors. Ab- Ab- like absolutely. An fucking asshole.
3: Yeah, I love. Pu- he pulls off the, the Matrix trench coat aesthetic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But like, he sees. He
2: he's he's, he's, he's cool. white blade, as we learned. <laughs> he's white blade, yes. <laughs> um. Oh, but yeah, just like yeah, he's just he's yeah, he's he's cool. He's a, an absolute bananas villain. Uh, yeah, he just like yeah, again, just he doesn't he he needs no further explanation. He's sure. Albert Wesker.
3: <laughs> yeah, for real, it's like we could list his accolades, and it's like there really isn't yeah. like a yeah, point like how many two. how many
2: villains do you fucking defeat by blowing their head off with a rocket launcher in an active volcano? Yeah. Like, that alone should be like, oh, he's, you know, (laughs) he's, he's top tier. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah. He's
2: great. Absolutely.
0: I I, I got nothing more to add. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I don't really have anything to add either. But speaking of (laughs) uh, asshole villains who are bananas, my number four is higher on somebody else's list.
2: Oh, shit. Okay. Oh okay Interesting.
0: all right cool all right number three we're in the
3: top three now okay yeah all right who's ready for some more Namora? <laughs> all right
0: good night everybody that's the end of the stream
3: <laughs> so back back before kingdom hearts got really unhinged um I this this one I, what, I need like to like the I,
2: first game Lee? <laughs> I have
3: I have a gigantic asterisk on this one. Okay. Um and I, I fully admit that. There's a gigantic asterisk on this one. And that is this is the number three on my list, looking purely at the game he debuts in. Um if you take Kingdom Hearts one wow. as an isolated experience, Ansem is fucking incredible.
0: I can I can as somebody who hates the franchise, I can one hundred percent agree with you on that. So I, I, first, yeah, Kingdom Hearts he, one. He's, he's great. He's Billy Zane. First yeah, of all, yeah,
3: oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> he's Billy Zane. Um, as an isolated thing, and some, and I only realized this after um after replaying the game when I streamed it last um like a year and a half ago, however long ago that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that so much of my uh, my work as a DM stemmed oh. from how much I like Ansem, because I oh. have a gigantic affinity for main antagonist who kind of just shows up in the third act, but you have to have been paying attention. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, Ansem can kind of just come out of nowhere if Mm -hmm. you're not really paying attention to the story beats. If you're paying attention to the beats, if if you're just going through the game, it's like, okay, Final Boss is going to be either Maleficent or Riku. Mm -hmm. And then if you're reading the Ansem reports and you're listening to some of the, the weird cryptic shit going on with the side characters, they keep talking about this guy who is really into researching the darkness and, like, experimenting on human hearts. And it's cool. like, wow, I sure hope I never run into that guy. I oh, never- no, he's hot, and he's Billy Zane. <laughs> oh, no, he's hot. <laughs> and so Ansem shows up, and, okay, he's so full of himself. He's got the long, silver Namora hair. He's always f- floating around with his arms crossed because walking is just beneath him. Yep. Yeah. And he's got a stand. Okay. Oh
2: my God.
3: His weapon of choice is a stand, and the one piece of credit I have to give to the um, uh, extended material that ju- that does make him better is the knowledge that uh, his his guardian, Heartless, that's bound to him, who's his his protector, is actually one of the three characters that you play as in the prequel, Birth by mm. Sleep, who he got his ass kicked. And he was kind of like, he lost his heart to the darkness and was bound into servitude and now has to fight for Ansem. Oh, no. Which is so great. And there's a piece of fan art I found that's great of like Ansem being all like cocky and yucking it up. And then behind him instead of the heartless is that character like in bondage with like wrappings over his mouth. And it's, it's oh. a sick piece of fan art. Cool. Um, so Ansem shows up out of nowhere in the third act. And is just deliciously evil, he is yeah. all about I'm gonna find Kingdom Hearts, which my research has shown is the is the heart of all darkness, and I'm gonna get souped up on that dark energy, and I'm gonna turn into galactus and just like start eating worlds and it's like okay
1: mm-hmm. yeah
3: you're you're a final fantasy villain, you came out of nowhere. I gotta deal with you, yeah um very, very good boss fight. It's it's a good classic, you know, like, JRPG format of oops, all phases. He's got, like, eight phases. <laughs> yeah. And, like, four of them are ad gauntlets, and, like, one of them's a dungeon. And then he turns into a boat. <laughs> which... Which is surprisingly enough a recurring theme in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. God damn you, okay, Nomura.
2: Okay, Lee, you started You started this explanation by saying before Kingdom Hearts got nuts, and then you that, talked about a guy turning into a boat.
3: Now, listen, he's a really cool boat.
2: Oh God. That doesn't make it better. He's a
3: boat with abs, okay? <laughs> and just something, something about he, he was the earliest example to me of, like, reading the lore paying off. Like, it wasn't uh-huh. a necessary thing like Radagon, where, like, Radagon shows up. If you didn't read the lore, you're like, who the fuck is yeah, this guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. some shows also, up. Also,
2: if you didn't find the, um, the, like, there's a quest line where you have to, like, follow a dude around, and eventually it leads you to finding out, like... The, literally a single line that's Radagon is America or whatever, yes. and it's just like, "Wow, fuck off, game." Because yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> otherwise, like the final boss, like she comes down and turns into a dude, and you're just like, "What's happening
3: here?" Yeah, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand, and I feel yeah. like I should. <laughs> when Ansem shows up, it's just like, "Oh, I, I think I know who this guy is."
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah.
3: Uh, Yeah, again, like, I have to keep it as an isolated thing, because as the games progress, they start to muddle, you know, who this character is, and he's like, he's a fragment of Xehanort, who's this fucking dick who can just please disappear from the franchise, who I think, I think going forward, I think they're not revisiting him anymore, because his arc is finished. I will believe it when I see it. The, the, they had a very good thing going with this character and they just fucked it up the more they kept expanding on it and not being content mm. with what they had as an isolated villain in just kingdom hearts one Ansom, the seeker of darkness kicks mm. supreme ass
2: yeah he looks That's like my number best.
3: Three.
2: love oh, it he's,
3: oh he's lovely oh and he's Beautiful. billy Zane. he's
2: billy Zane. Speaking of uh, uh, characters that other people uh, made fun of for being on lists, or before we started oh, listing them, yeah, there we go. My, no- <laughs> my number three is Glados. For
0: yes, <laughs> that's my number yes. four.
2: Oh, nice, yes. awesome. Yeah. Um. First of all, I noticed that most of my list was men, um, and I got a little bummed out, and I was just like there's got to be some good female villains out there. There are female antagonists out there that I enjoyed. Right. And as I was thinking more about that, I was just like, Oh fuck. It's got to be GLaDOS. Mm -hmm. Like she is just, she's awesome. Yeah. Right. Like, like there's a reason she comes up. She's recurring on like so many people's just like top villains of all time lists. He's fucking petty. She's great. Right. She's petty as shit. She's, She's like,
0: She's Shodan's bratty little sister, effectively.
2: Yes. And, like, I I,
0: I, I really want to go through the System Shock games, because I know Shodan is a great fucking villain. Spoilers, she's not on my list, because I haven't played them. So, like, even though I know of her, and I know what she's capable of, I didn't want to put her there. But GLaDOS is basically, like, like as Cal says, Shodan's bratty little sister. She is such a petty little shit, and I love her.
2: Yep, yep. She's, yeah, she's wonderful. And, like, you know, y- yes, Portal 2, you kind of partner up a little bit more with her, but, like, it's not, it, it's not a partnership of, like, it's a, it's a partnership of necessity. Yeah. She has not become a good, a good AI. No,
0: she she's is still, still like, evil.
2: Yeah, she's still <laughs> evil as fuck. And then at the end, she's just like, well, you helped me get my body back, so I Guess I'll let you go, but, like...
0: She just doesn't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah,
2: exactly. I don't you let you go. I just hate you, so leave. And then she sings you out. <laughs> yeah, my, my
0: my favorite bit is still how she keeps fucking making adoption jokes. Because she's such a fucking brat. And then, at one point, she's like, Oh, I found the number of your birth parents. Let's give them a call. And then, like, you hear phone number beep. And then you get a fucking answering machine message that just goes... The birth parents you are trying to reach do not love you. Please hang up. Goodbye. And then GLaDOS just goes, wow. That's surprising. <laughs> Maybe somebody works at the phone company or something like that. And it's just like, GLaDOS, you fucking bitch. Yeah. She is yeah. so she's, fucking petty and funny. Yeah,
2: she's wonderful. Yeah, she's just like, she, she has so many, like, you know, quips and, and just like snarky remarks. And she's not necessarily somebody you want to, like, beat up at the end, but she's definitely somebody where you're like, you are, you are really, really into making me hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, she is
0: such a little unapologetic shit. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, she, she's, she's great for that. Like, everything so, she says... Her sarcasm
2: is, is just on point, yeah. Yeah, no, I,
0: yeah. I, I still remember the very first time I was playing Portal, right? And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there playing it in my room, and I'm sitting there, you know, chuckling the entire time. And then I hear my mom in the other room laughing, and I, I get up to 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 go get like a drink or something. And she goes, "Whatever the hell you're playing is one of the funniest things I've ever heard."
2: <laughs> she had no
0: context for anything, but mm-hmm. just hearing Glados, yep, is 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 enough to get like anybody to fucking laugh for the most part because she is just yep. such a petty little shit. She
2: she is probably as far as my list the best written villain like in terms of in terms of the dialogue that is written for her i think Ooh. she's the best written yeah
0: very cool i yeah. am a potato <laughs> speaking of best written villains
2: <gasps> oh gosh, no okay my
0: segue Ooh, is i
3: think i know who it's gonna be
0: you might we talked about it when we had google on oh
2: from legacy
0: of kane soul reaver
2: oh yeah dude hell yeah. <laughs> he is, oh God, this is gonna be so happy.
0: <laughs> a well-written fucking antagonist yeah like he starts as an anti-hero in bloodborne or blood omen and he's a full-on antagonist in soul reaver like oh yeah for, for for context of the setup like at the end of blood omen your, your character is given a choice. There's the, the good the good choice and the bad choice. The good choice is you kill yourself because you're the scion of balance and it'll restore the pillar of balance and the world can enter in a new golden age. And, or you could do the evil option where you're just like, fuck all that. I'm going to just be a tyrannical despot and fucking rule the world. And that evil ending is the canon ending. And in Soul Reaver, it picks up 1,000 years later with Cain running this post apocalyptic fucking wasteland as this vampire king and in terms of like at least at the time what appears to be petty bullshit uh you play as Raziel who is one he's the first of his vampire lieutenants and you show up at let basically you know the little vampire hot on or whatever and you pres- you showcase hey I got a new I'm gift I'm sorry <laughs> It's a little vampire vampire hoedown. hoedown? (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: it's basically like a meeting of all the vampires and whatnot. Cain's sitting there and his generals and shit like that. And Raziel shows up and he's got a new gift. He's evolved. He's grown wings. He's the only vampire with wings. And Cain just walks behind you and is examining them. And in a single swoop, rips the bones out of your wings. And then casts you into a fucking lake and you burn to death. Then you wake up like a thousand years later as basically like a lich or a wraith or fucking whatever, like this super undead vampire. And your whole thing is, I fucking want revenge on this goddamn (laughs) asshole who ripped out the bones of my wings because he didn't fucking grow wings. And as you
2: you... do, you'd rather have just like floppy wing skin the entire game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's your it, cape. It's your Amazing. cape.
2: Amazing. And you, you, you can
0: use the skin of your dead, your, your boneless wings to your glide. Bon- <laughs> it's so it's fucking good.
2: <laughs> a um, boneless grief clown. <laughs>
0: but but then as you, like, progress through the game, you get the sense that Kane wasn't being a petty little shit. It's, it's expanded upon more in the later games, but I, I, I'm strictly focusing on this one game. But like mm-hmm. there's 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 a really good example where in the boss, the first boss fight with Kane, Kane pulls out the, the titular soul reaver, which is like mm-hmm. the most powerful fucking sword in this universe, right? And at the end of the boss fight, cinematic triggers, Kane has you on your last legs, and he swings it at you to deal the killing blow. And whenever Kane pulls out this sword, it basically means you're dead. But when the sword strikes you, it shatters completely. Inexplicably. And Kane is not surprised by this in the slightest. And he just smirks and he disappears. And you're just like, What the fuck is going on? Kane like it's some big ass fucking Machiavellian plan that Kane is doing. And you don't get all the fucking answers in in the first game. Or in, in Soul Raver, just due to uh development issues, because the the game was it had a really rocky development cycle, and like the last third of the game had to be cut in order to get it out on time. So it ends on this massive fucking cliffhanger to be continued ending. But it kind of worked out for the best, at least in terms of like the franchise, because we got a far more interesting and compelling narrative. But Pain is so expertly fucking written like Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. And Simon Templeman, his voice actor, fucking kills it. He just sounds evil and menacing, and that he's enjoying being evil and menacing. It's so fucking good, and I will die on the hill that Final Fantasy VIII and Soul Reaver have the single two best opening cinematics, not only on the PS1, but possibly in the history of video games. They're so fucking good. And, and and they look leagues above the hardware capabilities that of, of like the platforms that they're on. I'll send you the link of uh if you're interested cat of, of the the yeah. opening cinematic where Kane rips out the fucking bones of your wings. It's, <laughs> that's it's, it's, it's,
1: it's it's
0: it's it's fucking sweet and Kane doesn't have like a single line of dialogue in the in the opening cinematic until like towards the end of it where, your, your, your vampire brethren have just dragged you to the lake, and Cain kind of looks down into the lake, and he then walks away, and then he just goes, cast him in. And they just chuck you into this fucking lake where you just burn up.
2: Awesome. It's wonderful.
0: Awesome. He is such a fucking malevolent asshole great right. it's it's yeah, great I, it's great i'm looking
3: i'm looking through some of his dialogue right now just because like i i gushed about it last time we, yeah. we talked about kane mm-hmm. and, and god his, his his monologues are just so good
0: yeah. they, they really are like again i, I don't want to get too much into like the later games yeah but like mm-hmm. like e- even like while while his, while his f- my favorite line or monologue from him stems from Soul Reaver two, it's the fucking coin monologue where he's yeah. talking about like I, the choice he had to make in Blood Omen between like killing himself or fucking ruling as a tyrannical despot. Uh his his monologues in Soul Reaver one are still just absolutely phenomenal, and even though like you don't see him much in the game, you only get him. In, like the opening cinematic and then in like both boss fights the, the the first boss fight with him and the final boss fight he is your entire focus because the whole focus of that fucking game is Raziel was killed and he's brought back as a wraith and he wants fucking revenge and he wants to kill the man who threw him into this fucking hell lake and in Kane is just such a great love to hate villain fantastic hell yeah yeah that's excellent my number that's, that's my number three
2: all right excellent a, a good a good a good showing for bronze let's get yeah. on the silver
0: all right so
3: there was this period of time from the mid to late 90s to the late 2000s where blizzard entertainment was a champion oh. of storytelling oh Classic okay. stories of good and evil, enduring Ooh. characters like James Rayner and War Chief Thrall and Diablo. And while the stories were simple on the surface, they possessed a certain charm that was undeniable. And my boy is an is a wonderful douchebag from StarCraft. Oh okay. my man, Judicator Aldaris. He is um he is a ruling member of um of the Protoss's like primary religious movement. Okay. And when you're playing the Protoss campaign in the first game, he is the guy overseeing you. You know, the famous you must construct additional pylons line, that's Aldaris yelling at you. Mm. Everything you do in the Protoss campaign uh is kind of overseen by him. Until the point that you start to work with the, with the Terrans, with the humans. And that's when he it, it winds up being the biggest xenophobe of anybody. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't mingle with those, you know, with those human folk. That's no good. We, we got to stick to our own kind. And at that point, it all turns on its head. And you betray that religious caste. And you make him an antagonist. Mm -hmm. And he is just such a wonderful example of like a head-up-his-own-ass religious zealot archetype, Mm -hmm. which I think can be played in some very tiresome ways and can really be wrung Mm -hmm. out dry, and we're just kind of tired of it. But Aldaris did it in such a way and with such a flourish that you can see kind of where he's coming from because in the Protoss mythos, their connection to their higher power to their god literally gives them their power so he's like no we have to stay by our code and keep you know keep worshiping you know the kala because uh, if we don't then we lose all of our like energy powers and then the zerg are gonna overtake us and eat our planet so it's like okay i can kind of see where you're coming from but you're being a really staunch religious dick about everything Mm And he he winds up you know he survives the first game. He just talks mad shit to you. You you kill the Zerg overmind, and like the their greatest hero Tassadar has to sacrifice himself. And Aldaris is still just kind of sitting there on the sidelines, nodding his head like, I mean, yeah, you okay? You 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 beat the Zerg and all, but still, like, you should have done it my way.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, sequel rolls around, Brood War, and. Uh, he, he becomes an, uh, a, a, relent, uh, a relenting accomplice to a, a scheme going on where you form, you form a triumvirate. It's uh, you playing as the character Artanis, who's a, a, an up-and-coming Protoss warrior, and you team up with a begrudging Aldaris and with the Zerg Queen of Blades, Kerrigan. Whoever would think that a massive betrayal is coming? When uh, there, is, there is a scheme woven to make it seem like Aldaris is at the heart of some, some plan. And you get to him and you kick down the door to his, to his throne room. And he's like, I literally didn't do anything. And all you did was clear the way through his defenses so that now Kerrigan could murder him. So Ooh. he... Yeah, he he's like, he's almost like edging on the point of like, oh, are they going to try to push like a redemption arc with him? Mm. But at the same time, he's also, he's also past that point of like, his character didn't need one and didn't want one. He was unflinching in his ideals, which were always putting his people first. But by, you know, but by doing that, he's kind of damning everything else. And there's a whole lot of damning you can do when you command a fleet that can like glass a planet's surface, which he is wont to do at times. Um, again, a character like kind of along the same lines as Kane, of like just very strong writing, and Aldaris is just such a a strong representative of what storytelling Blizzard used to have, because. Mm-hmm. I remember those golden years. I was the Blizzard <laughs> fanboy, and oh. it was and it was oh so beautiful in yeah. that time,
0: in the before time, in the long long in ago. Before times, before <laughs> yeah. endless before microtransactions and and rule thirty four. <laughs>
3: yeah, so yeah. I mean, there's you still know, it's 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 a great representation of. You know an archetype that I like you know I like a good religious zealot character you know Frollo is my favorite Disney villain for a reason
1: absolutely yeah
3: Um, I think he was done very well he had believable motives and I just kind of like the fact that he's there totally as an exposition character you don't ever have to fight him he he never directly steps in your path to confront you exactly. He's just there kind of like being that nagging thing on your shoulder reminding you like that thing you're gonna do uh, it's blasphemous and possibly a war crime. And you Hmm. go Aldera shut up you're committing war crimes all the time. And he's like yeah but they're in the name of God. (laughs) God (laughs) God damn
2: it. Which
3: makes it okay. So yeah my boy Judicator Aldera is coming in at number two.
2: Nice. Very nice. Uh okay my number 2 um he's going to be really hard to talk about without massive spoilers because the reason i like him so much is a massive spoiler okay um so but I, I i will talk about it also this sort of bends a couple of my rules um but bends not breaks so um as as both of you know and probably the podcast people know at this point too, our viewers might know. Um, I'm a big fan of Sucker Punch as a studio. Um, because mm-hmm. I initially fell in love with their infamous series. Um, even though I have a lot of issues, I take a lot of issues with the games themselves. I think that the binary moral choice stuff is really dumb. Uh I think there's yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things I think that uh uh, you know, they didn't do well, um, I just, I think, I think they did so many things so well that they just, like, won themselves a fan for life, basically. Mm. Um, and so the first Infamous game, um, this game starts with the protagonist, Cole McGrath, um, he's, like, a delivery guy, um, and he, he's set to, like, take a package across town, and that package turns out to not be on the up and up. It explodes, and it gives you superpowers. So Cole gets the ability to control lightning, and also um, I think he's got he's got some sort of like telepathic sort of like he can like see people's pasts or see people's like like basically if he touches you he can kind of like get your story. It's it's mostly a narrative device. It's you know, um. And so, uh, you know, that the explosion that gives you powers also like basically like sets the city into almost like post-apocalyptic mode, right? Like it's it's absolute ca- you you're playing in in a fake New York. Uh, I forget what it's called, it's called, like Empire City or something. Um and uh yeah, like everything is like in chaos and essentially like you're kind of like encouraged by sort of your your best friend Zeke and also your girlfriend Trish to sort of like, hey, you've got these things, these powers, you should help people, right? Like, you should help people out. Um, and as you're sort of setting about, like, learning how to be a superhero, slowly you start to uncover the machinations of a puppet master. Um, and that puppet master is a guy called Kessler. Um, and Kessler, as it turns out, as you, as you continue to sort of, like, unfurl the threads of, like, what he's up to um he's sort of been he's been behind a lot of the stuff that's been happening um so he's kind of he's the reason you have this package he's the reason you know like package exploded he's been like doing experiments on stuff he's been making other quote unquote conduits that's what they call the the superheroes um they are people people with powers i should say um so he's been making other conduits he's been doing all this stuff um and you know, slowly but surely, he reveals just how much of a villain he is, right? He's constantly throwing things at you to, like, you know, get in your way, to, to you know, like, try to kill you, to try to, like, you know, do all this stuff. Um, and eventually, uh, he ends up um, kidnapping your... Well, he kidnaps your best friend. He, he, he's, he's, you know, basically, like, unapologetically opposed to you and villainous and horrible. Um, and he eventually ends up um, kidnapping your girlfriend, who um, this is one of the things I actually have a problem with this game. She's not set up very well. She's not written very well. She's kind of always the sort of like she's always nagging Cole. Mm-hmm. And really, she should be set up much more sympathetically as like, you know, somebody we we actually care about and we want to, you know, like someone we actually love. I think she, I think it's just down to like poor writing for her, like in terms of like because Ultimately, I think their relationship is fine. It's just kind of like you see it in this very limited scope of, a you know, a horrible disaster just happened. And Trish is a, uh, I believe she's like a triage doctor or like a paramedic or something like that. So she's very much like, we have to help people. And she kind of just becomes very like, we have to help people. Cole, you better be helping people. You know, <laughs> anyway, um... But he kidnaps her, and, uh, you know, in one such mission that you're running to try to, like, stop him from doing something, um, he ends up stringing her up, um, basically, like, there's, there's two groups. There's Trish, and then there's a group of, like, six doctors that are, like, hanging up, like, you know, at, like, you know, fatal fall height, and basically it's like, Cole, you can save one of these groups. You either save your girlfriend, or you save these doctors, Like, and you have to choose. Um, And so, actually, regardless of which you choose, uh, the game kind of pulls a bit of a fast one on you, because regardless of which one you choose, uh, if you choose to save Trish, he actually put Trish with the doctors. And so when he kills the doctors, he kills Trish. And then if you choose to save the doctors, then the the singular person was Trish, and she dies. Um, So either way, your girlfriend dies. and. Yeah. And essentially, that's like one of the big, you know, the sort of the big turning point of like, I have to kill this guy now. Mm -hmm. Right. And and you spend the rest of the game, you know, like, like, you know, after after all the, um, you know. All the fallout, there's 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 a ton of this game and I'm going to skip over most of it, but basically they keep building Kessler up, up and up and up and up and up until finally you have this like final boss fight confrontation with him. And it is a Fucking epic fight, because Kessler is also a conduit. He's got powers. He's got insane powers. It looks like, like, teleportation, you know, like, like a couple of other, like, weird, like, weird things, right? And as you're fighting him, and, like, wearing him down and defeating him, he's actually giving you glimpses into, like, his own life. And, like, what he was doing, right? So, like, you you touch people and you see their lives. And he's allowing that to happen, like, at the different stages of his boss fight. Until you get to the end. And he reveals, like, the full extent of his backstory. Which is that Kessler is Cole McGrath. God. Yep. Yeah. So, essentially, what... In a in a in an in an alternate timeline, Cole married Trish, and they had two daughters. And this happened long before he got his powers. But then eventually, he did get his powers. Right? He got his powers from the same thing that gave him his powers uh, here. Right? Um, and when he got his powers, uh, the the explosion also activated this extremely powerful conduit called the Beast, and the Beast is like an apocalyptic event like the beast was activated and the beast just like destroyed the world and cole in this timeline because he had trish because he had his daughters he didn't stand up against the beast he didn't try to fight the beast he ran and because he ran his family got killed everyone he knew got killed and basically the world ended essentially so in his grief He figures out how to time travel, and he goes back in time and decides, I'm going to do this on my timeline. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to save the world by essentially sacrificing my entire life. I will sacrifice my own wife and my future children just so I have the chance to save everyone else. And so the entire time he's acting as the villain, like pulling all the strings, He's actually working on getting you your powers early so he can train you to fight the beast.
3: Who oh, does show up
2: in the second game.
3: That's pretty fucking cool.
2: It's fucking awesome. Like that reveal. Like I thought he, w- he was a fun villain the entire time. Um, but that reveal was just one of the like I cried. I was like, this is so beautiful because like, you know, it, it's. You know, I feel like it's very common to have villains that are tragic. I feel like it's very common to have antagonists that, like, think they're in the right. Um, But I think it's, it's kind of a rare thing to, like, make yourself the villain to save everything else, right? Like, you essentially are like, I'm going to make myself the villain so I can make a different me the hero. And I, I, was I just love
3: like, when a time travel villain is pulled <laughs> off perfectly.
2: Yes, because yes. it's
3: attempted a lot.
2: Yes, Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, but I think I think this one works so well because you don't get it until until you're literally killing him. Because <sighs> literally, literally, I think his his final line is is saying like Trish, I always loved you, and you're just like, wait, excuse me, hold on. <laughs> oh,
4: that's oh, so uh,
2: it's like yeah, it's. It's beautiful and like, yeah. It's it's a it's a great reveal. I think it's pulled off really well. And yeah, and then like, I, the beast is also really cool. Like uh, the second game uh, has the beast as more of a you know like I'm going to kill everyone except conduits. And there's there's kind of like this moral dilemma there. He's a cool villain, but I just I the the Kessler thing was like what sold me on. The, you know sucker punch studio as like yeah okay they know what they're doing i love these games <laughs> yeah. so kessler's my number kessler's my silver kessler's my second place hey.
3: uh, that's awesome i, w- I want to throw out a-, a quick a shout out to um a video on youtube by a content creator named plague of gripes he's an associate of my boy's castle super beast who does a great video um about villains uh hmm. called let's gripe about villains and he oh. highlights a character from a cartoon called Wakfu. Hmm. And the villain is this guy named Knox, who's, like I was saying, like it's hard to pull off a good time travel villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. This dude's gimmick is so good. And Kessler's making me think of it, mm-hmm. of like uh, time travel villain. He's doing all these horrible things, all these inexcusable things. And he winds up being one of those guys who's trying to use um, – who's trying to use time travel to fix the world because of all these mm. errors. Mm-hmm. And he get, he, he's, he's within, uh, within like arm's reach of the MacGuffin that he'll, that'll let him turn back time and mm-hmm. fix all these problems. And he bodies all the main characters of the show, mm-hmm. like kills several of them. Oh, geez. And it's one of those like all hope is lost moments of like, wow, the bad guy won.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and then he gets to the macguffin and he successfully turns back time 20 minutes
2: oh my god
3: (laughs) to undo the fight Uh uh-huh and he realized that he has done all these inexcusable things to get the chance to turn back time and all it could do was send him back 20 minutes and he caves under the weight of all the atrocities he's committed that he can't take back because he had been telling himself this is all for the greater good i'm gonna undo it all i'm gonna undo it all i'm still a hero
2: oh man and
3: all he can do is go back enough to bring back the cast and then he he exiles himself he just says i'm done
2: that's cool.
3: Like that is so fucking cool. That's, that's so Kessler's cool. Is making me think of that. Like, I love when yeah. when that that uh story trope can be pulled off like effectively.
2: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man.
3: Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah time right. travel. Yeah. Do you yeah, dig on multiverses?
2: <gasps> oh no, god, womp, right. <laughs> No, no.
0: <laughs> so my speaking of tragic villains, tragic antagonists. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: My silver. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not from the game he debuts in It's yep. from another entry in the franchise and that is Virgil from Devil May Cry 3 oh, okay. Dante's yeah, Awakening there, right.
2: there, <laughs> there he is I knew he, he was com- I knew he was coming <laughs> he's coming
0: yeah he is uh one of if he's not the, the that's best rival character uh he he parallels Dante almost perfectly. While while Dante is kind of like this goofy, silly attitude, Virgil is completely dead serious. Um, Dante wields a giant fuck-off sword. Virgil wields a a katana. While Dante is like over the top with his combat style, Virgil's very methodical. Dante's color is red. Virgil's color is blue. Virgil is Dante's twin brother. The whole motive... No pun intended, despite Virgil doing the whole motivation shit. His whole reasoning for, for what he is is back when he and Dante were children. Uh, demons attacked the household uh, that he and his brother and his mother were in. His father has disappeared, presumed dead by this point, but his father is like this famous demon named Sparta. And in the chaos and and confusion of everything, their mother is killed. And while Dante uses this as basically a means to hate demons and want to basically eradicate everything demon-related, Virgil more so hates how weak he felt, despite the fact that he he was like a six, seven-year-old or whatever. He hated the fact that he couldn't protect his mother. So his whole goal is to get power so he never to feel that week ever again and it doesn't matter who gets in his way doesn't matter if it's dante doesn't matter who it is and he is such a strong and compelling rival character that just perfectly hits all three major acts you fight him three times throughout Devil may cry 3 at the end of each act and each boss fight he gains, like, not only is he, like, an intimidating rival for you, because he's your twin brother, he can match everything. Every single time you fight him, he gets a new weapon that he incorporates into his toolkit. So it's not just, oh, the boss is now arbitrarily pulling off moves that he, he didn't have before. No, there's, like, a narrative fucking explanation for it. He gets new weaponry that, that you could have potentially gotten, but he got instead. And it makes it that much more difficult and and challenging to fight. He is basically perfectly encapsulates like the whole ludonarrative consistency in video games where like the difficulty of the, his combat encounters with the final boss fight being one of the most difficult boss fights in gaming, especially on harder difficulties. Mm -hmm. it, It kind of encapsulates everything about the ending of that particular game. Uh, he kind he is very much a reoccurring character. He's first introduced in Devil May Cry 1 as sort of this mindless undead minion of, of the big bad antagonist, but doesn't really have much character there, so nobody really counts that. But basically, everything that has defined the character stems from Devil May Cry 3. And he is so iconic and menacing and badass... And he's also an unapologetic shitheel who does countless horrible fucking things in the quest for power, just so he doesn't feel weak again. And what, one of one of my favorite things too about that narrative as well is the fact that Dante coming into contact with Virgil, at least initially, doesn't stem from the fact that Virgil is doing all this heinous shit. Doesn't stem from the fact that Virgil is is attacking the city that Dante's in. No, it, it just stems from the fact that Dante doesn't like Virgil. <laughs> he, does, he is a petty asshole. And Virgil doesn't like Dante. They just fucking do not like each other. And that's enough of a reason. <laughs> yeah, and that is enough of a reason for him to go like, yeah, I'm going to go stop you just because I don't fucking like you. <laughs> and it's, it's a fun dynamic. And it it, it evolves throughout the franchise, and there's some fun shit in the later entries, sure. But in terms of just an overall antagonist, it's, it's fucking Devil May Cry 3.
1: Nice.
3: I, I had a feeling Virgil would appear on your list, but I like hearing you really like dig into the meat and potatoes of why you love
2: him. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's just so fun
0: and, and we, evil you're, and
2: you're you're extremely predictable, Jam. But we love you.
4: <laughs>
0: what do you What do you want from me, man? I like it when when a when a villain is a shitheel and absolutely. and they got great boss fights. Should.
2: But like, but listen, you listen, like the. I, I, I knew he was gonna be on here even sure. though we talked we, I remember us talking about like oh but you play as him technically and you were just like I don't care you, <laughs> play, like, you right. play
0: as him in a re-release special edition that doesn't impact the main I knew narrative he
2: was coming. <laughs> doesn't
0: impact the main narrative he's only a special. he never has his own unique fucking campaign god damn it in, orig- in original vanilla yep. Dante's Awakening he is not playable
2: okay Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Hell
2: yeah. And we gotta we, closing out closing out the uh, the lists. Yeah. rounding them out. Our first place picks.
0: Uh, also, I called nine balls, but you know.
2: Well, yeah, you oh, did well call that nine
0: one, We knew that was coming. Yeah. All right. Number one. Number
3: one.
0: So if it's there, Anor, this... I swear to God.
3: There was this period of time from the mid to late nineties to the late two thousands where Blizzard Entertainment was a champion <laughs> oh, of storytelling. Classic stories of good and evil, enduring characters like James Rayner, Warchief Thrall, and Diablo. And while the stories were simple on the surface, you possessed a certain charm that was undeniable.
0: I am more mad because I had this exact same gag planned for our <laughs> horror list.
2: God damn it. So
0: you're gonna get to hear this gag again. No. But from I, me.
2: I, I hate all of you.
3: I I want to tell the story of the, the greatest fallen angel.
1: <laughs>
3: the greatest dis the greatest fall from grace story I've ever seen okay. in gaming. Arthas Menethil the Lich King from Warcraft
2: oh okay
3: so a little bit of a controversial pick maybe because we play as arthas when he is still human and while he is still human at this point he is immediately doing things that very much go against the book that go against uh basic human rights he is a, He is a Paladin. He's part of an order called the Silver Hand. He's apprentice to this great and noble paladin named Uther. And Uther's all about like, we do what we do to serve the kingdom and protect man. And Arthas is like, does that include, like killing absolutely everybody who would oppose us?" And Uther's like, "Where the fuck did you get that from?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, that's what we gotta. I mean that's how we protect our people, right? Right, Right, right Uther. And through the course of this campaign, you are leading Arthas on this crusade, like slaughtering orc encampments that like aren't doing anything. They're just they just happen to be green, and uh, an undead plague breaks out that starts to infect this city. And Uther's like, "Okay, we got to figure out a way." to kill the demon that's overseeing this operation, and we might be able to save the people. And Arthas says, there is no time this entire city must be purged. You go, what? And then, sure enough, your mission objectives become destroy the city faster than the enemy can convert people to the undead. Oh my god. Your mission is to slaughter the innocent. And you're like, wait, I thought I'd be playing the human campaign and be like a paladin. And no, you play a ruthless asshole. And his journey leads him into the frozen land of He's chasing this demon. And the only way that he can beat him is to take up a cursed blade called Frostmourne. Frostmourne is a weapon that holds the soul of a great powerful being called the Lich King, this this old orc uh, named Ner'zhul, who is a, a very powerful necromancer.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And Arthas doesn't pick this up like an idiot, like, oh, this is the MacGuffin that'll help me. No, Arthas read all the information. He read all the I ancient runes. He's like, there is an evil cursed motherfucker in this sword. <laughs> and but now I, it's mine. <laughs> but I need it to fulfill my murder boner and kill this guy
2: oh lord
3: and he does it wow and he can't let that sword go
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and so your class changes you go from being paladin to death knight oh you start commanding your own legion of the dead because you've got this necromancer motherfucker in your head and your journey your journey takes you into the frozen wastes and you climb this mountain called Ice Crown Citadel where you find the throne of the Lich King and he goes, yeah, I can get comfy here. And he sits down and completes his transformation and becomes the Lich King, this all-powerful undead Mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. And then the controversial change happened where Warcraft went from being a strategy game to being an MMO. Mm Mm-hmm and everybody had the same question when do we get to fight Arthas? and it finally happened in the second expansion of the game wrath the lich king in i believe wow. 2008 but the mm-hmm. expansion uh, the, the patch with him might have dropped in 09 mm. and all hell breaks loose so it's an mmo oh, no. you know big open world and everything but they started to weave the narrative into the world itself. So, like, even if you were a low-level player and you, were like, weren't at the point where you could start to actively fight the undead legions, mm-hmm. you'd be going to, like, one of your towns to turn in a quest, and then suddenly, like, one of his floating undead fortresses would appear and zombies and shit would start coming out of it.
2: Oh, shit. Okay. It,
3: the plot was, like, escaping out into the rest of the world yeah. whether or not you were at that level yet so his cool. influence was felt everywhere
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then finally you're doing it you, you you get max level you find some you find some crews you get a guild mm-hmm. together and you go to ice crown citadel and you fight the motherfucker 25 on 1 and a beautiful ending Where you fell the Lich King and his helmet falls off. You get to see his face again for the first time since the strategy games. And he's still got that boyish charm that we loved. And the fucking ghost of his father, the king, shows up. And says, no king rules forever, my son. Let's go. And carries him into the afterlife. Oh, Lord. It is such a great story of watching someone go from being the paragon of justice, the chosen one, Mm
2: -hmm. to
3: being the thing that they wanted to vanquish the most. Yeah. And to see it kind of transcend from being this, you know, campaign for an RTS game to being what's still regarded as the greatest encounter in the history of, of the MMO. Arthas just does it for me. He's wonderful character, wonderful boss. Is mechanics. he also a
2: pretty boy with long red hair?
3: No, he's a
0: blonde.
2: Oh, damn it. He's <laughs> a blonde.
3: Yeah. Oh.
0: My but disappointment just, is immeasurable and my day is ruined. <laughs> there's this,
3: yeah, there's just something so enduring about his story. And then mm-hmm. and then Blizzard didn't do anything after that. The no expansion came out after Wrath of the Lich King. They certainly didn't release anything called Cataclysm and mm-hmm. there were no sexual abuse allegations and
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh and yeah, and then they they made Overwatch and then the company dissolved. And then yep. that yeah. was it.
0: And it's yeah. it's a real shame they never made a sequel to Diablo 2. It's such a shame that they never made a sequel
3: to Diablo 2. Oh lord. So yeah, Arthas the Lich King, he's he's my number one. Just nice. absolute great storytelling.
2: Very cool. Okay. So my number one uh how do I how do I even begin with this guy? Basically it's hard. It's hard, I think, to necessarily, like, measure the impact that a lot of villains or a lot of antagonists have, like, outside of their game. Um, but this one in particular had a really big impact. Um, so I, he's my number one, not just because I think he's a great villain. I think he's really fun uh, but also because of like the legacy that mm. he left behind so if it, if any of you uh remember uh the the fucking halcyon days of of i don't know p s three era i think it was p s three maybe it was p s four um but basically there was a there's a little franchise called Far Cry.
0: I know oh. where this is going. Yeah. Oh dear.
2: And Far Cry had a couple of games, uh, you know, before before this one. Um, but three kind of felt like it was the one that really became like quote unquote mainstream. Yeah. Um because you know, certainly I I had not been playing um, I had not been playing video games when one and two were really a a thing, or I hadn't played I wasn't playing console games when one and two were were a thing. Um, but three came out and people were like, "Ooh, you got to play this one!" And not just that, but the marketing around three uh, was awesome, and it was centered on their main villain, Oz. Yep. Yeah. Um. So specifically, they had like commercials. Of this guy, Vaz, who is a, um, he's, a, like, a like an islander who uh, gets in with, like, a group of, sort of, like, terrorists slash, like, drug dealers, drug lords, um, and just basically, like, rules his island. Like, he's essentially just, like, the, the kingpin of this island. And, uh, um, maybe sort of like a pirate king, I guess, is how I would kind of describe him. Uh, and literally the the commercials were Vaz uh, pl- expertly played by Michael Mondo, both in the in the game itself and also in these commercials, like live yeah. action commercials. Mm-hmm. It was him uh, torturing. Uh, what's his face? from. Yeah. Yes. It was him like torturing this guy. Right. Like like basically like you washed up on my island and this is what happens to you. Um, and those were the commercials for this game. Um, and then the game itself is you play as a bunch of, as, like, a, uh, like, a rich douchebag, and you're, you and your rich douchebag friends, like, your plane crashes or something like that, you end up, like, on this, on Vaz's island, and he's like, oh, we're gonna have fun now! (laughs) Yeah. Um, he's very Joker-esque, he's very, just, like, in your face, absolutely, like, you know, I mean, from those commercials, uh, his probably most famous line is the whole, like, what's the definition of insanity? Mm-hmm. Bit that he does um, So yeah, he's he's fully like, like Off-kilter Insane villain So now Apparently Ubisoft Realized what they had there In that they used him in, As like the main thing for all their marketing But then in the game They kill him off Halfway through
0: Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> I love Far so, Cry 3, but the second Voss is gone, the, the game's narrative kind of takes a nosedive.
2: abso fucking lootly You basically, you unlock a second island, and the game tells you, Oh, Voz was actually working for this, like, American dude who's, like, the head drug lord. And you're just like,
0: I don't want him, Vos... he's lame. I want Voss yeah, again. Like, Michael Mando's but- amazing.
2: Yeah, can you bring Vaz back, though? Because this guy is really... And then, yeah, you spend, like, four more hours going through this, like, second island, and you're just like, what am I even doing here? This is terrible.
0: Yeah.
3: It feels and like so... we had a natural point of closure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, right? And so... Uh, and the reason, the reason I mentioned specifically his legacy is because <sighs> since Far Cry 3, the Far Cry series has attempted... To recapture the magic that was Vaz, but to do so in a way that didn't fuck him over halfway through the game. Yeah. So they they immediately rolled out pagan Min in the fourth game, which I love Troy Baker. It just he's a miss for me. He, he he just he was not a very good. He was basically just Vaz as a dictator, and like yeah. didn't work no. at all. Yeah, and, and, and- you know, he had. He had cool moments but mostly it was just kind of like what are we doing here? Not um, to
0: mention there was no real personal connection because the villain no. literally had no beef with you.
2: Yes. Yeah. So it's so like literally, and and literally there's a there's a twist, there's a secret ending where if you just he he like invites you to his castle or his palace and he has to take a phone call and he's like give me 10 minutes. And if you just wait 10 minutes, he just Lets you do the thing you came to the the country for, yeah. and then the game's over. And it's yeah. like, okay, that's it's, it's kind of cute, but it's also, super cute. it's very cute, but also like, mm, not quite doing it for me. Uh, yeah. Five, five, then rolled out Joseph, who I think was a lot closer to Oz, yeah. but also, also still pretty different. They also like rolled out and, like the generals were a little bit more fleshed out and interesting and had sort of their own, like basically like they made the mini bosses a little bit more like mini vases basically like have their own weird shit going on that you have to contend with mm-hmm. um before you get up to the big big bad uh and then I think I think six uh with um Giancarlo Espositos I forget the character's name it's just Giancarlo um, Esposito it's it's just, yeah it's just yeah, yeah, Gus. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> basically just Gus yeah, I, I think work. I think he was kind of like like sort of the perfect sort of like melding of all of their attempts, right? We're like, okay, finally, we're actually he's got he's got a beef with the like the protagonists have a very clear beef with him. Uh, he's mm-hmm. you know he's he's definitely like yeah. So anyway, um, all that being said, is that like basically Ubisoft was like, wow. We just need to keep doing Vaz, like we just need to do Vaz again, but like do him right, right? Do right by him, um, and yeah. So I think I th- and I think the franchise ended up like better for it, to be honest. Um, they found I, I, what
3: worked and kept trying to capture lightning in a bottle again.
2: It, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Very lightning in a bottle. I don't, I don't think they ever quite reached the highs of Far Cry Three because I think, I think so much of the fun was you know, the 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 main, the character you played that goes from being this like, you know, sheltered rich douche bro to like Rambo. <laughs> like, you know, and, and like, and like, there's a very sort of like Alice in Wonderland theme to it and, you know, very much like, Foz is sort of your white rabbit and also your red queen at the same time and it's like yeah. it, it's just, it's it's got a really wonderful sort of like entirety to it. That I, that I don't think they've quite gotten back, especially since they decided to go with like nameless, voiceless protagonists from then on out. Yeah, um, it's
0: it, it. One of the other things too, at least for me, is like I I fucking love Vaz, and I think Joseph is great too. Mm-hmm. I do really wish they would try to go with a different type of villain as opposed to just constantly recapturing Vaz, because like, oh I, yes, I, I I did play I've played Far Cry One and. The Far Cry Instincts, which is basically sort of a weird quasi-remake retelling of Far Cry 1, but for consoles. Mm
1: -hmm. And I played Far
0: Cry 2, Mm -hmm. and that trilogy, if you go from, like, both versions of Far Cry 1 and Far Cry 2 and Far Cry 3, they each have their own unique, different villain and story, despite, like, the the over-the-top, bombastic, crazy Mm -hmm. shit, right? Yeah. Um... Like especially in like Far Cry Two, where where you're basically dealing with a Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now, Colonel Kurtz esque character,
4: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Which is
0: really interesting and fascinating. Far Cry Two has a lot of gameplay problems, but I, I yeah. really dig that narrative of it, right? Like you're going Good. in to to kill this gunrunner, but you catch malaria, and then that dude who who you were trying to kill fucking saves your ass from malaria and then the whole thing is just you still trying to finish your fucking mission or whatever mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I, mean, that's I, awesome. I, I just wish that that ubisoft well, would do other they don't, shit
2: they don't do risks though that's not no fair.
0: no so not, not anymore if, it's
2: if they're yeah no they definitely not anymore but so if they're not if they're not doing risks and doing something different um, then I like I, I, I still like the direction that they chose to do, right? Yeah. Like like I think I think
0: there's worse directions.
2: There's yes, there's worse directions. I think I think it's a strong uh or it's a I think having a strong villain in a in an open world game, uh, like Far Cry, like or like the Far Cries kinda have become, um, I think that that really lends itself to like not making it seem quite as um, aimless, you know. A lot of yeah. a lot of um, a, a, a lot of open world games kind of suffer from like, oh, what am I doing? Or like, or like, oh, I have to beat this bad guy, but I'm gonna go do a bunch of side quests because you're allowing like, there's no real timer. Like, you're yeah. just allowing me to do whatever the fuck I want right now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I think yeah, I think I think they've I think they've started to f- or. I think with five and like definitely with six has been like they figured out their formula. Um, All that all that being said, I would love for them to change it up. Maybe not necessarily from like 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 you don't have to make the villain completely different, Mm -hmm. but maybe just like I don't know. We could we could have something have something new. Uh, But either way, Vaz Vaz is my number one because I think. I think my boy was done dirty in his own game, but I think it's very clear that, like, they know that. Yeah. <laughs> they realize that, and they're just kind of like, yeah, we just need to make that, but good. <laughs> just, just. Or, but done well, done correctly, because he make, was already really good.
0: <laughs> just make Blood Dragon 2 Ubisoft.
2: That's, that's <laughs> all More I Michael want.
0: Bean. Blood More Dragon is, Bean. is the best Far Cry game, and I will die on that hill, and I want a sequel. Uh, anyways, before I get to my number one, since I don't think we mentioned it at the start of the podcast, I do want to give a shout out to Kat's husband, Will, who actually oh, yeah. cross-checked our lists to make yes. sure that, uh,
2: he did. you know, so,
0: so we know if, if somebody had something higher on, on, on other, another person's yeah. list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you, based yeah. husbando.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we had a bit of a, it was a bit of a rush job because we all kind of, well, at least I... I forgot until Lee texted being like, we're podcasting tonight, right? And I was like, oh. Oh,
3: yes. Yes, yeah.
0: we are. Yes, we are.
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah. I Yeah. will love you, Will. He, he's not going to listen to this. He's nah. not. <laughs>
0: womp womp. But the so love is there. My number one comes from a franchise with countless great fucking villains. Mm-hmm. And it was very... It, it, there was a lot of temptation to choose all sorts of different antagonists from this franchise because there's so many good antagonists in this franchise. But I had to go with one in particular. Because this particular antagonist sort of represents a lot of what I'm looking for in, in a, a video game villain, where they are fun, they are a really great rival character in some respects, uh, they are well voice acted, they have fun lines their boss fights are good you love to hate them they're mm-hmm. they're a fucking dick
1: mm-hmm.
0: so my number 1 is liquid snake from metal gear solid oh my 1 God.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah there you go
0: he is such a fucking shit heel a a manipulative piece of shit I, I'm not counting his appearances in MGS2 or 4 or fucking 5. Just MGS1. He's a great fucking rival character. He's got fun lines. His boss fights are fucking great. Like Kuze, it's one of those how many fucking times do I have to teach you this lesson, old mm-hmm. man? Because unlike mm-hmm. Virgil, where like the first fight, you lose to him definitively even though like you, you beat the battle, but story-wise, you lose. Mm-hmm. Second fight, story-wise, it's a draw. Third fight, story-wise, you you overcome it. Liquid Snake, every single fucking fight or encounter, you kick his ass, but he just does not stop coming. He He just doesn't learn his lesson. He doesn't. He comes Mm -hmm. at you in a fucking hind D, and you shoot it down, and he somehow gets out of that. He attacks you in a giant fucking robot, and you have to fight the fucking robot in two different phases. He fucking drags your unconscious ass to the top of the fucking robot that's broken. And you have a fucking fist fight to a fucking countdown timer before explosive explosions go off. Uh, and you knock him off this giant fucking robot where you think he'd fucking die. And then you hop in the Jeep to fucking escape the area. Motherfucker shows up in another Jeep to fucking chase you down. You shoot the ever loving fuck out of him. Jeeps crash he should be dead. Motherfucker comes back and then dies of a fucking f- fucking bioweapon induced heart attack. It's fucking great. And he's voiced by Cam Clark, who I think is one of the most underrated and underappreciated voice actors. I'm he is I'm sorry.
3: The phrase bioweapon induced
0: heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fox oh, die, baby. That's fucking, just delicious. Yeah. It's it's. It's it's fucking fantastic. It's it's Hideo Kojima. Back when I really was a big fan of Hideo Kojima, like I fucking love mm-hmm. his older shit. Um, Liquid Snake has this big fucking inferiority complex because him and Solid Snake, they're twins, and 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 uh, Liquid Snake was told that he got all of uh, uh they're they clone twins basically. Liquid Snake was told he got all of uh. The recessive genes, while well, solid snake got all the dominant genes, because Kojima doesn't know how genes <laughs> work, <genetic> <laughs> and and is using and, and oh is using God. it like sci-fi bullshit. Uh,
4: <laughs> but <laughs> in reality,
0: in reality, liquid snake got all the dominant genes, and solid oh snake had the recessive genes. Oh so technically, God. solid snake was the inferior clone. Doesn't matter, it's dumb, but it's fun, and Cam Clark has such great fucking scene-chewing delivery as this British villain, even though, you know, Cam Clark's not British, it's it's a pretty fucking good British accent, at least I think so, maybe actual Brits will be like, no, it's terrible. me. Uh, yeah. He has one of my favorite fucking lines in the game since... Throughout the entire game, you have the support character, Master Miller, who, like, is contacting you throughout the entire game and, like, giving you advice and all this other shit. And it turns out, you know, in a late Act 3 twist, Master Miller's been dead this whole time, and Liquid Snake has been impersonating him, and has been secretly fucking manipulating you to get you to do what he wants you to do, because he can't accomplish his terrorist plans due to some fucking convoluted bullshit, and when you realize this, you run outside and you point your gun at Liquid, and you know Master Miller, the, the, the best part about the, it is like, the Kodak conversation Master Miller has like this this long ponytail and he's got sunglasses on and then you know, when, when he reveals he's Liquid he undoes his ponytail and takes off his sunglasses and anyways, when, when you confront <laughs> Liquid right afterwards Liquid's first line is Snake, did you like my sunglasses? And it's Fucking wonderful. I love it. It's so much fucking fun despite being so stupid. I love it. I love Jesus it. Christ. It's it's fantastic. Cam Clark kills it. Liquid refuses to fucking die. And again, I, I said I wasn't gonna count sequels, but like he does even even after the medically induced heart attack, he fucking comes back in later games because fuck you. Comes, really. He comes back as a nanomachine ghost, baby. Let's go! Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, nano machines, son. Like the temptation for Ocelot was there, the yeah. temptation for Big Boss was there. Although, admittedly, with Big Boss, most of his exposition as to why he becomes a villain comes from the game where you play as him in as a protagonist. Because in the two games where he actually is present, they were they were nineteen eighties. 8-bit games with with very light storytelling and more black-and-white G.I. Joe-esque villains. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, There was... And not to mention, like, every single subsequent Metal Gear game that had Big Boss after MGS3 just diluted and watered down Big Boss's villainy. Like, MGS3 is a perfect... Origin story for a villain, and we didn't need more any more explanation. And Kojima, I guess, became too attached to Big Boss's character and kept making him not a villain. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's Liquid's great. Ocelot was a very close second. Senator Armstrong, as, as your your number 10, Lee, yeah. was also fucking up there because he's <laughs> so fucking fun. Uh Great Fox is another fucking strong antagonist. Almost oh, the yeah. entire Fox fucking, almost the entire fucking cast of of One and mds Two, fucking uh, uh, Vulcan Raven, Psychomantis, Sniper Wolf, Vamp, Fortune, Fat Man, Solidus Snake, <laughs>
2: <I'm
0: sorry>. Nano Machines. <laughs> I I like that you refer
3: to Kojima like um like a band from the eighties of like yeah. man their early
2: man, albums were really good <laughs> yeah. and then
0: then they went commercial then they
2: went corporate yeah right, <laughs> it,
0: it's. There's a running theory with, especially with the Metal Gear franchise, is because Kojima had a specific co-writer for Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, and then that Mm. co-writer kind of disappeared from the games industry, nobody knows what happened to him, Mm. and coincidentally, the moment where the Metal Gear fandom started having larger problems with the narrative, and larger problems with individual games, stemmed from when this co-writer disappeared. Hmm. And it's interesting. also interesting to note that one of the spin-off games that Kojima had minimal involvement in, Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble on the Game Boy, is one of the, if not the highest rated Metal Gear game, and it was written entirely by his co-writer on his own. So it's like there's there's theories. I don't want to speculate too hard, but post-MGS3, shit got really goddamn dicey. And that's where we got shit like Pacifica Ocean as a villain. And Hot <laughs> Coldman. And the less said about MGS5, the better.
3: Hot Coldman is
0: such a good name. <laughs> I, I hate Hot Coldman so fucking much.
2: What about uh uh oh my god, what's the guy from Die Hardman?
0: Die, Die Hard man. Hardman.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is is god damn uh,
0: it.
2: Yeah.
0: I guess co jumbo. G-
3: <laughs>
0: Listen, man, he is no Di- Die Hardman has a dumb name and it's charming, but he's no it's- fucking <laughs> sure. I'm I'm just I'm being <laughs> jokey, but he he is no he's no bisexual vampire. Which is yeah. Vamp from Metal Gear Solid yeah. 2. And he's great. He's he's voiced by Phil Lamar Cat.
2: Oh, beautiful. It's it's he's so hey, good. Lamar. Phil Lamar also voiced the beast.
0: He did. Oh yeah. Miss, he, no. he, he voices a a bisexual Romanian vampire. So it's Phil Lamar doing beautiful. his best Romanian accent.
2: Mm, I love it's, it. It's
0: it's fucking fantastic.
2: I love
0: it. And, and All right. yeah so this this it's funny at the start of this podcast before we started recording i said yeah this this podcast isn't gonna take that long oh no and I'm, I'm looking at the it's three almost three and a half hours. actually hell yeah oh
2: my god we, yeah, we needed so to be heard we d- we did we apparently had way more to say about these villains than we thought yeah. um but let us talk we gotta
3: do the rundown
2: about yeah the rundown yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: gotta gotta give so, that quick little uh quick little recap Yep. So yeah, once again for the uh, the cast, top ten favorite gaming antagonists. Lee's list was Senator Armstrong from Metal Gear Revengeance, Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat, Albert Wesker from Resident Evil, The Child from Other Side, Nine Ball Seraph from Armored Core, Reno and Rude from Final Fantasy VII, Radagon the Red from Elden Ring, Ansem Seeker of Darkness from Kingdom Hearts. Judicator Aldaris from StarCraft Brood War and Arthas Menethil, the Lich King from Warcraft Three.
2: Nice. All right, and Cat's list was Pyramid Head from Silent Hill Two, Bowser Junior from (laughs) Super Mario Sunshine. Hell yeah! Vladimir Makarov from the Modern Warfare franchise. uh, Cirrus from the Mist franchise. uh, Manfred von Karma from Phoenix Wright, or Ace Attorney, rather, I should say. Uh, Lord Shimura, from Ghost of Tsushima, Albert Wesker, from Resident Evil, Glados from Portal, Kessler, from Infamous, and Vaz, from Far Cry 3.
0: My list was, uh, honorable mention, Thomas Thomas, from Phasmophobia. <laughs> Number 10 was Pius Augustus, from Eternal Darkness. Number 9 was 9S, from Near Automata. Number eight was Maiden Astraya from Demon Souls. Number seven was Red Pyramid Thing from Silent Hill 2. Number six was Ren- Wendy from Rule of Rose. Number five was Kuze from Yakuza 0. Number four, GLaDOS from Portal. Number three was Kane from Legacy of Cain Soul Reaver. Number two was Virgil from Devil May Cry 3, Dante's Awakening. And number one was Liquid Snake from Metal Gear Solid
3: hell yeah, yeah hell yeah solid lists
2: yeah, mm-hmm. nice lists, everybody, good work, yeah um, so now we usually tend to close out with um what what all of us have been up to for this this past you know past little bit of time where we weren't uh you know preparing for podcast stuff together, but it has not been that long since our last podcast
0: so no, going, it's uh as of recording. As of recording, it's been uh four days since the last episode dropped, and about mm-hmm. a a a week I think since uh we recorded the last episode
2: uh, yeah so i've I've basically just been playing more divinity uh nice. yeah i I got to the part where they're like, "Hey, go be God now and I was like
3: what (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll go be god
2: um yeah i that part um frustrated me a little bit because i really liked the co-op uh elements of it and now it's just like oh well i guess eventually there can only be one so Mm. Mm -hmm. that's not Mm -hmm, fun mm -hmm. but we'll see we'll see um yeah but that's that's about it for me (laughs)
3: Yeah, um, I, I it's only been a week, but uh, I've got a couple updates. Um, I've dipped my toes into Grim Dawn, which is um, an RPG in the vein of dungeon crawlers like Diablo, mm-hmm. um, Torchlight. Uh, very fun so far. Uh, not cool. Not far enough into it to give it a huge review yet, but a friend of mine whose opinion I trust very much on games has clocked 253 hours of it on Steam, so it must be pretty good.
1: Yeah, oh, fuck. Okay.
3: Uh, I picked up a, a game. Uh, I, I popped in on the stream of fellow Goon Squad member uh, Ghoul Guts, who mm-hmm. was playing Signalis. And oh. uh, I just watched him watch the opening cutscene and closed his stream and immediately bought it so I wouldn't be spoiled. Because <laughs> nice. I went, holy shit, I need this game in my life. Uh, and then I played the massive gaping disappointment that was Secrets of Rose, the Resident Evil Village DLC. Oh, yeah, Shadows yeah. of Rose fucking sucks. Or yeah, Shadows of Rose. Not Se- whatever the secrets that it sucks. Yeah,
4: uh,
2: <laughs> yeah uh, I, I I tuned into James's last stream of it, so I caught like the ta- I caught like the final bit and the end, the final boss, and yeah, I can't yeah. believe that they ended on the exact same cliffhanger. Uh, Cl- cliffhanger cutscene that the
3: original <laughs> game ended on. I can't believe they had the balls to have Miranda come back and go, Blah, it was me! And go, oh, come on. <laughs> there's, there's
0: not a single original concept in that fucking game outside of just Rose's powers. Yeah. yeah. It's so that it was it really, week. really disappointing. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I played really Shadows Rose and it fucking sucked. Um, uh, I I played fatal frame three they're tormented and of the original ps2 trilogy Mm -hmm. i think it's the weakest it's uh, yes, you
2: did complain about that as well
0: yeah it's it's i'm a little torn because on one hand it has some of my favorite horror tropes and that's like it's it's Mm. investigative horror like there's Mm -hmm. there's chunks outside of the spooky mansion ghost photography shit where you're like in normal non-spooky situations and you're kind of like researching why shit is spooky Like it's it's kind of like Ringu in that regard and it's like, I love that shit mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's kind of almost reminiscent of The Room in Silent Hill 4 The Room uh, however, mm-hmm. uh-huh. given the length of this game and how much uh, exposition there is via notes like, we're talking like Countless seven to ten page notes in this game that you get to just scour through. It really breaks the pacing of the game, and there's a lot of weird design and design choices that kind of like padding like like just make the game more feel ba- more bloated and padded and, and artificially difficult. Uh mm. so it's kind of a disappointment. Uh I don't hate it, but definitely the weakest of the three games. Mm. Um and then in terms of just other stuff that I've played that is worth mentioning, I've played uh, what is jokingly and un- and unironically considered to be the greatest Mega Ten game of all time, which is Jack Bros. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. Y- even though it's got some, some bullshit difficulty to it, because it's a fucking Mega Ten game, it's a fun, little, charming, fucking dungeon crawler. Uh... That is unironic, like, I mean, I know saying that it's the best game on the Virtual Boy doesn't really mean shit, because the Virtual Boy is a dumpster fire of a platform, and it's headache-inducing, and a lot of the games on it were kind of shit, but, uh, yeah, no, this this is a fun little game, and it, it, granted, I wasn't playing it on actual Virtual Boy hardware, so I don't have a fucking, you know, nosebleed and migraine, uh, but, you know, for a game that only is in red and black, it looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I was
3: really impressed with
0: the with the visual style on that one. Yeah, it's it's a fun little little uh little adventure game, and I got to say it Ink Sun. And yeah, it's it's I would definitely say it's probably one of the better Mega Ten games. It's it's a lot of fun, even though there's some bullshit difficulty to it. Hell yeah. Very cool. Well oh, yeah, good stuff so, there, Goons. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Shall we, shall we sign this one off? I'm like, no. I'm spent.
0: No, we're going group. for another three hours.
2: Oh my god. We have to talk about know. all 27 Xanorts. We have to yeah, 10 10 heroes. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. All right, number 10. No. Xanort. <laughs> yeah.
0: Number 9, Xanort. Number
3: there was a period Xanort. of time from the late 1990s oh god damn it, to the late
2: no. 2000s. No, no, mute him. <laughs> Listen,
0: I'm doing this exact same gag on our horror thing. Hell yeah, you are. I know you are. I've been sitting on this gag for a while and I'm I'm very tilted that yeah. Lee beat me to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a
3: trendsetter. What can I do? Yeah. Say? All right. Well, on that note, this has been yeah. your boy, Lee Alder the Valley Jester. Uh you can sometimes catch me over on twitch.tv slash valley jester. Not currently. I'm not currently streaming. Um it will it will take something to bring me back to it. What that thing is, I do not know, but we shall see. Hmm.
2: Uh, and I am Cat, aka The Attack Cat, on Twitch. Uh, I actually will be streaming again for the first time in forever because I'm joining Saber and a bunch of other goons for Extra Life on Saturday.
1: Hell yeah. Um, for the Keys. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: For the Keys. So, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure yet what I'll be doing. I think uh, the thing I would like to do is a Nancy Drew marathon. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna see, I might, I might be able to, like, whip up some little surprise here and there, but yeah, we'll see, and, and also I will be a part of the corpse party suffering parade. Yeah, we will too.
3: Let uh-huh. it flow through you. Yes. Oh, it, all it all ends in P. It all ends in tea.
4: Uh,
0: yeah, I'm James, also known as Saber0307. You can catch me on Twitch at that username. I'm not reading the full website. Everybody get fucked.
2: The true villain of this podcast
0: was Renzi and, all along. Was and, Renzi and, and,
2: all along. Oh, wait, so there no. was this
3: period of time from the <laughs> late 1990s to the late 2000s.
0: When Renzi was a, was a hero and then he went into his villain arc.
2: <laughs> all right. Good night,
3: everybody. Good night,
0: folks. I love you, Renzi. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah, guys, it'll be a nice short
0: podcast. I know. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> I blame Renzi.
2: Uh, oh, my God. <laughs>